All right, so like four weeks ago, I said Jacksonville. I said the Jaguars stung KB. I guess I might as well go back. <laughs> I guess kiss of death for Colts fans uh, in the area. You know, it's a football Friday. Hanging out with you here on the fan and broadcasting live from the DriveHubler.com studios. It is the wake-up call. He's Kevin Bowen. I'm Andy Sweeney. Sammy Fritz, his final voyage with us today. Rode the elevator with Sam. He's working on about three hours of sleep, so we may uh, have him give some hot takes as we we go today, uh, but after the stink of the Jacksonville game last week, all the Anthony Richardson stuff, all the Grover Stewart stuff, uh, it is almost game time as we sit here on this football Friday, and boy, this Colts team needs a win, and they need it badly. KB, a good morning to you. I'm noticing no Notre Dame gear. Is that a bye week bye thing? Week. Okay. Bye week for the Irish. Okay. Time to do laundry okay. for the Notre Dame gear here. It's the first time on a on Friday. Friday yeah. I don't think I've seen you in any Notre Dame garb hey. for many, many weeks. Eight straight, eight straight <laughs> to start the year for the Irish. They were the week zero game. They actually have That's two bye point. weeks in the next three or four weeks, I believe. It's kind of an odd scheduling quirk, but uh, yeah, this is the puberty game coming up Sunday. Yes, puberty it is. Puberty game, first one to teens wins, first one to get to 13 wins. Um, we haven't really dove too much deep into what Sunday could offer, and I think as we sit here Friday morning, Andy, it's still a little bit up in the air. Deshaun Watson did practice yesterday. I could honestly probably listen to an argument. I'd rather see Deshaun Watson. Like, if this is a dude that just 24 hours ago was talking about questions of his velocity outside the numbers that might be something I'd like to see in game action if you can test him into those moments I know that obviously Watson's resume uh, certainly dwarfs PJ Walker PJ Walker's resume but still I, I I feel like that's a bit of a question we'll see what happens with Watson today at the final practice of the week uh, obviously the Colts looks like they will not have Braden Smith for another week um, and, and this defensive test you're going to see is just, they just straight up beat you up. They do not let you convert first downs, and uh, it's going to be quite the challenge defensively, and you're going to have to some way, shape, or form find a short field, find a turnover, uh, just get points in an outside-the-box way and not just with your traditional offense. You know, I was listening this morning because I guess I'm a sick person. I was listening. We had some sound cut up. We can play it as we go today uh, on the show. By the way, we'll set up the show. Greg Gregstraw going to join us at 8 o'clock. Your boy Tucker Barnhart going to join us. We'll talk some MLB playoffs with him. Bottom of the 8 o'clock hour, about 8.30 or so. And then a normal 9 a.m. on a football Friday. Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, will join us about 9.05 uh, or so. You know, I was cutting up Shaq Leonard's sound, and he's like, you know, we got to cre- basically we got to create a turnover, right? Saying what you're saying, I'm like, you know, now would be a great time for one of those Shaq Leonard moments. You know, it, it's <laughs> funny that you bring that up. Last night, I'm sitting there watching the game, and um, Aluakon is that the Jacksonville linebacker, 23? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, let me look that they up. But I believe nice that's how you say it. Featuring him, and I was trying to work on my pronunciation of his name. Um, Boy, Al Michaels has lost his fastball, by the way, not to like yeah, go down a different yeah. – well, He's used to a bunch of bad games Different as path well. here. But um, I'm watching him play last night. I'm like, man, that dude is a stud. Yeah, that dude 14 is flying tackles. around. And, you know, he had the pick six on the, yeah. on the, on the touchdown. And that was when I was like, wait, is Derek Carr broken? <laughs> uh, for a while there, I certainly thought that because Colts do play the Saints next Sunday. So I'm sitting there thinking to myself, man, you know, Aluakon kind of reminds me of a little bit of Shaq Leonard turning back the clock. And I started, you know, thinking and scrolling through some of Shaq's stats. Right now, Andy, if you look at the streak that Shaq Leonard is on, it is a six-game streak without an interception, without a forced fumble, without a fumble recovery. It's the longest stretch of his career. And 
he has been a such a staple of that playmaking. And now I'm thinking to myself, okay, here we go. First game of the Grover Stewart five-year era where he's not going to be out there. Yeah. I mean, Grover's been out there for yeah. you know each of these last five years. To since pick up the slack somewhere. DeForest Buckner was traded to the Colts. You have had these two together for, I think it's 53 of 54 games. Buckner you know, was caught up in whatever, close contact COVID or you know who knows back in that 2020 season. That was the only time he even missed one game. Um, so you've had Buckner and Stewart together virtually every single game. So, again, that is another subplot to Sunday of, you know, what do you look like run defense-wise without Grover? What do you look like in short yardage? What does Buckner look like? What does Franklin look like? What does Leonard look like? Because I think the domino effect is there. You know, I brought up the fourth and one play a few weeks ago against the Titans. If you don't have a Stewart-Buckner presence – those offensive linemen for the Titans, they could go mm-hmm. get to Zaire Franklin maybe at the second level. So those, I think, are some questions, but it's such a great point to bring up. You need a Leonard type of turnover. You need a Josh Allen against Gardner Minshew on the second series of the game. You need that on Sunday. If you don't get it, I don't think you have a chance to win this game. Yeah, I you know, I said yesterday that, and there's several things that we can get to. 239-1070 here on the fan on this Football Friday. I am... I, like, I believe in the defense for the Browns. What else do we believe in in this game? <laughs> I think we believe in Matt Gay's right leg. Okay, Matt Gay's right leg. I think that is absolutely fair. I think Amari Cooper's pretty good at football. I think Amari Cooper's pretty good. I mean, I think Josh Downs is a good player. If he had, yeah. you know, six catches for, you know, 75 yards and maybe sniffed a touchdown. And But, like, I don't know. Like, what's fun about this game is... I don't know who the Browns quarterback is. I don't know if it matters. I'm reading up on this game and all the experts that are doing their pick, like, ah, if it's P.J. Walker, ah, if it's Deshaun Watson, is it that big of a deal? But, like, what is what would Watson look like? I mean, I ask that in all seriousness. I, I, well, I ask that if he's healthy or if he's not healthy. Sure. I don't know what Deshaun Watson is. Like, Deshaun Watson, even though he's making all the money, I mean, he is, along with Russell Wilson and along with Daniel Jones and along with probably six, seven, Seven other guys has just one of these terrible. I mean, Derek Carr is squarely one of them. Is Derek Carr that much better than Gardner Minshew? Like Boy, Derek Carr like, looked bad, bad for a solid three, three and a half quarters last night. And I felt uh, for those that did not stay up till the end, it was a pretty crazy fourth quarter there. Uh, Christian Kirk scores with about three minutes and change to go. They go up 31-24 Jacksonville after really Jacksonville gave New Orleans yeah. so many chances to stay in that game. And the Saints drive down, and on a third and goal, Foster Moreau, which for those unfamiliar with his story, uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma back in the spring as he was entering free agency. Uh, The Saints found that in their physical check with him. I believe in the shoulder area it was. It's unbelievable. Uh, Full remission in July, so was able to participate you know, during training camp in the preseason. And Carr, one of the very few throws Carr last night had that was on the money, right to Moreau for what would have been a game-tying touchdown. Moreau drops it, fourth and goal, incomplete to Chris Olave. And, yeah, I mean, when you talk about the Colts' schedule upcoming, Andy, I mean, it is – the Saints certainly look like a team that is very gettable. And last night was another reminder. Jacksonville plays one game, by the way, in the next two and a half weeks. It's a weird scheduling quirk for them. They have their mini bye week right now, of course. Then they play Pittsburgh. Then they have their own bye week. It was a reminder of like, if you believe in the playoffs and the Colts, maybe you start shifting over to the wild card. Well, I think I I have. Sunday is so big because if you look at the standings, 
Cleveland 7, Indy 8. Seven teams make the playoffs. This obviously would be the head-to-head tiebreaker. So this is just a huge game if you want to start going down that path to it. Um, So I'm very curious to see how the Colts will react to obviously not playing well. And we're going to see the the uh, the new look, right? Are you a fan of these Indiana yeah, Knights we, we jerseys? Yeah, we talked about this a couple days ago. I'm good with it. I'm not obsessed with the jerseys. The little gas won't be getting one? Uh, no, I'm not obsessed with the jerseys like some people are. I understand. Uh, people love it. I'm good. I hope they sell a bunch of them. I, you know, I hope they do. Uh, everyone can go out and get their Gardner Minshew Indiana Knights jersey. <laughs> that'll, be a lot, that'll be a lot of fun. Do they put a Grover Stewart in the team shop? Oh, boy. Um, I'm asking, I'm asking that. Uh, just quickly, going back to Jacksonville and then the game coming up at Lucas Oil on Sunday, and we'll bounce around today. It's going to be a busy football Friday. You know, they were 1-2, and two, and even after they beat Atlanta, they were 2-2, two and two, and I don't think too much of Atlanta. I think Atlanta's a fine home team, whatever. I mean, just a couple weeks ago, Jacksonville was, A, maybe not going to win the AFC South, and B, they were, and we had Mike Duraco on. They needed all this. London. They were, they absolutely did. They very much were, you know, early first three, four weeks, one of the more disappointing teams uh, of the season. Then they get that Atlanta win, and then, you know, uh, they're already in London, so they beat Buffalo, and that's a nice win, and I'm not making any excuse there for Josh Allen and the Bills, and then they blow the Colts out. They walk in here to Luka, you know, they walk in, no, that, that was at, that was in Jacksonville, of course, uh, and they take care of business there, and then they go on the road last night, and they get a win, and it's four straight, and they're 5-2, and two, and people are now buying into some of the hype that we saw uh, on the first part of the season, so I'm with you. This game now, the way Jacksonville is playing to me, this game on Sunday becomes even more magnified that if you're a Colts fan and you want to be playing games late November into December that absolutely do matter, yes, the AFC South could still be a route to take, but beating a team like Cleveland and trying to get that 6-7 seed is very much it. And as as for the game, you know, I told you this yesterday, outside of like 35-30, I could see almost anything happen in this game. You know, if you told me the Colts, you told me the Colts won, the Browns won. You told me it was a close game. You told me it was, uh, you know, you know, one team easily covers. You tell me that it's a low-scoring game. Um, you know, and we haven't even got to it because of the Grover Stewart news, because of the loss to Jacksonville, because, uh, and rightfully so, all the Anthony Richardson stuff. Like to me. And we'll bring it up at 7.30. To me, there's, hey, hey, we've been talking about the Browns defense. Well, I know Stewart's out. How about you, Colts defense, right? I mean, how about Jonathan Taylor, uh, who's had a couple games in that Zach Moss running attack? How about how about they are able to dominate? How about Gardner Minshew, who has received in the first month, KB, so much praise. Ah, he's the best backup quarterback. And Chris Ballard, and listen, I said these things. Wow, Chris Ballard did a great job uh, to understand he needed a backup. He and Shane Steichen, and they go out and... And they get the right guy. Uh, I, I think a lot of Colts fans are willing to put the debacle to Jacksonville aside and say, well, you know, Gardner was jacked up and everyone's going to have a bad game and everything like that. To me, all those narratives are race. And I know the Browns defense is really, really good, but I'm interested on how the rest of this team reacts, right? Because there are still units on this team that we expect to go out and play some damn good football on Sunday. Uh, today would be the 10-year anniversary Ooh. of one of the more iconic nights inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. Kind of crazy to think it is 10 years ago. Another thing I want to touch on a little bit later, 
Um, Jonathan Taylor made an appearance. It just came out this morning. Let's do it on my way in to work. Um, on the EJ Speed Zaire Franklin podcast. Oh, nice. Um, What's curious, the name of the podcast? Uh, I believe it's The Trenches Show. Okay, I like um, that, The Trenches. I've enjoyed it. You know, we've had Zaire Franklin on the show, of course, several times, and, and I, I think he does a great, great job in being very candid and very honest when it comes to a variety of topics there. Um, Taylor just, he, <laughs> it, it's unbelievable listening to him. Andy and acting like he wants zero acknowledgement of a business disagreement between the Colts. You know, it's a media narrative and it's a shame how the media (laughs) did this and did that. And I'm like, wait a minute. Did Jonathan Taylor not show up to the first four Colts games? Did he fall asleep? Did he not attend a single regular season (laughs) practice the first four weeks of the season? Did he leave training camp? I mean, does he not who his uh, does he not know who his Did agent Malcolm is? Kala tweet yeah. at you know whatever retweeting Ian Rappaport saying I doubt it in response to can the re- relationship be repaired between the Colts and his client? I'm just like, can we act like just adults in this room and just all acknowledge that yes, your health was clearly something that you wanted to get figured out, but your comments back in June indicated you were unhappy with what was going on with your contract negotiations. Let's not act like. That all of a sudden did not happen there. I, I was curious, like, Taylor in a teammate podcast setting, would we get something different? Because, to be fair, Zaire and e- e- EJ Speed both asked him all the questions. Um, but it was just more like... Good for them. I was hurt, and the media uh, sp- spun things. If you're a player now, you got to have a podcast. Uh, was it Micah Parsons had one where he's complaining about people bagging on the Cowboys? <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, you're on the Cowboys. What, what, do, you, what do you expect? I think JT was trying to play the James Harden, and James Harden's comfortable being that in that role. I don't think JT no, was ever too comfortable he, being in that role. Very poor, which is, honestly, it's a good quality to have. He's a very poor holder-outer. Yeah. Well, he's also been a beloved player, right? Right, right. And I don't think he has, like, you know, venom in his, you know, in the, you know whatever, a lot of venom in his body, but... Um, I did find that just a little bit head scratching of like, all right, let's, you know, you were not some choir boy attending every single meeting and every game for the first four weeks of the season with your towel on the sideline. I mean, hell, he wasn't even Chris Jones in a suite, was he? Remember we got no, no Chris no. Jones in the suite well, week one? No, Steichen got asked about it. You know, remember he's like, ah, oh, we'll, we'll keep that internally. Who's he going after that? Is it the is it Doyle? Is it Kravitz? Is it the fan? You know. well, do we have a power rankings of again, uh, I, Jonathan I'm not Taylor? Usually, one that's like, okay, I need to I need to stand up for the media in this instance. But I'm like, <laughs> dude, your comments in June. Every injured player for the Colts is at practice or at games. You're not there. You left the facility. You know, late yeah. mornings for four straight weeks here. Let's not act like those actions did not take place. A whole lot to get to. Colts and Browns related as we get ready for week seven here coming up uh, for high school football. What do we got? The first four classes, I believe, get their playoffs started tonight. Greg Rakestraw joins us at eight o'clock. It should be a good night. Yeah, it sounds like the rain will not impact things tonight. 50s cloudy. It's football weather. How ugly it was last night, but certainly you're going to want to bundle up. As Andy said, Tucker Barnhart joins us at 830. Talk a little MLB playoffs as those series are starting to Tighten a little bit. The Astros doing Astros type things. And uh, by the way, we got a boogie announcement later, and it, it seems like via via the whispers oh of the recruiting analyst. Oh boy, that you might have been all over this early in the week. Okay, okay. So it's leaning now. Analysts believe it's leaning. BBN. I, I, it seems like yeah, well, based off those that have the pigs.com accounts. Oh that boy. BBN 
will be happy. So do, do does the Pigs message board owe you an apology? I don't want an apology. I'll, I'll be at war with the Pigs message board. That'd be better content for the show. By the way, and I sent Sam, we'll do this during the break, but I sent you some clips. The biggest story is Gucci Mane in Bloomington tonight. tonight. Yeah, Who's your hysteria time? Who's your hysteria? Burr. So, burr. So, Pigs, uh, just know that I love that, okay? I did see Rab Johns was tweeting out Gucci Mane lyrics. So which Gucci Mane greater than Boogie Fland. Is that right? Uh, yes, yes, probably. Probably. He, he is Andy Sweeney. <laughs> I am Kevin Bowen. Sam Fritz in one final day here for Mark Dykton. Again, another chilly-ish start to this Friday morning. Uh, a hair or two of a sprinkle, but certainly got some overnight rain. Uh, bundle up if you are out for high school football tonight as the playoffs do get underway for the smaller classes. I am Kevin Bowen. Again, he is Andy Sweeney, Sam Fritz. You are listening to The Wake Up Call. KB and Andy, 93.5175, The Fan. All right, your morning check down again. Week 7 of the NFL season. Good God, KB. We're already at week 7. We wait around for this precious jewel. (laughs) Already at week 7. Jags winners 31-24. Four straight for them. They're now 5-2 on the season. Talked a lot about that game in segment number 1. The Saints dropped to 3-4. So Jacksonville has it going. As for the game Sunday at Lucas Oil, uh, Deshaun Watson did meet with the media. We have a couple clips on Watson. He didn't say too much. Pretty vague, but here's a couple seconds of Watson uh, if he's going to be out there Sunday against the Colts. Yeah, I mean, it can be any day. It can be tomorrow. It can be Sunday. It can be two weeks from now. I'm, I'm not even sure. You know, I'm just, like I said, it's day to day and I'm following, you know, the steps of this, the medical team. And, um, you know, when that time is, is ready, then I'm going to go out there. I can't put a timeline on, on anything right now. Uh, And again, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, whether you get P.J. Walker or Deshaun Watson on Sunday. Yeah, uh, missed the last three weeks. uh, Bye week sandwiched in there yesterday. He was limited in his first practice action in quite some time. For the Colts, uh, Alec Pierce was back to practice. So good news on that front. That's surprising for me. Um, Yeah, I've got to be honest. I I didn't think it looked great on Sunday. No, I didn't either. Watching him yesterday work off to the side, I, I figured he would practice. Uh, yesterday, or, uh, watched him practice on Wednesday off to the side. I thought he would practice for sure on Thursday, but still no Braden Smith or Kylan Granson here as we head into the final practice of the week. All right, last night in Major League Baseball, the Astros continue to do Astros-type things. Uh, they now win both of these road games so far in Arlington. So that series is knotted up at two. Rangers and Astros, game five today. That is a 5.07 first pitch, still in Arlington. So all road wins so far in this series. It's the 2-3-2 format here. Astros bats have certainly come alive on the road here. Uh, And so the ALCS is now a best of three the rest of the way. The NLCS, Sam Fritz's Phillies, Mm. a walk-off there in the ninth at Craig Krimble. Easy for me to say. Craig Kimbrell, easy for me to say again. I was about uh, to get real mad. <laughs> 2-1 in that one. Game four tonight, 8-0-7. Philly's still up 2-1 in that series. You want to hear how that sounded on ESPN Radio? Do you have that Do you, do you have that over there, to, Sam? Yeah, go ahead, go ahead and play right. that from Boog. Go ahead You'll and play that. Swing and a line drive. Base hit. Center field. Racing home is Payman Smith. Cattell Marte and the Diamondbacks walk it off. And Arizona is back in this series. The Diamondbacks win it 2-1, and this series is now 
2-1. Yeah, there you go. You had, bases loaded, yeah. walk-off single. Hey, beautiful. There you go. Great call on ESPN Radio. Uh, elsewhere tonight, Pacers final preseason game. Pacers and Cavs. Nemhart's back in this one, right? Sounds Supposed like to yep. get some playing mm-hmm. time. Uh, so if you're going down there to Gamebridge, have a good time. Again, Pacers, Cavs at 1, 7 o'clock. And then lastly, our college football lineup for this weekend. Locally, not much. Uh, Indiana and Rutgers. Uh, did I see Tom Allen's doing the I just don't do it. quarterback song I, and dance again? Do you think Greg Schiano's losing sleep over whether it's Taven Jackson or Brandon Soresby it, here? Or oh, I guess it, maybe Dexter Williams, right? <laughs> well, is, I think that's the out? other thing. I think there's three guys kind of involved in the quarterback situation, which is if you have three quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. KB, why? why, why? Homecoming just, just, in just Bloomington, why? I would argue IU football fans care more about homecoming weather than they do who is the starting quarterback well, okay. against Rutgers. So you might get 70-degree weather. You're going to have Gucci Mane tonight and, along with okay all of the basketball stuff. And then, you th- I mean, the football game is not even third on that oh, list. Oh, Hoosier Hysteria. Yeah, Trumps. it's Hoosier Hysteria. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Trumps. Gucci Mane. It's Rutgers, the weather. Yeah. It's everything else. Why does Tom Allen do these things? Why does he do these things? You are a two and four football team. Your quarterback play has been substandard. It's going to be substandard. Why is he doing these things? It's just a clown thing to do, right? Why, why, KB? It's not like, okay, I'm going to fire Tom Allen because of this. It's just one of those things that is just, it's silliness that is unneeded. It's unneeded silliness. <laughs> and it shouldn't bother me, but it's so silly and stupid. I, I can't get that worked up over IU football, to be totally honest with you. Somebody has to in this studio. Uh, Ohio State <laughs> and Penn State. It's Certainly the marquee matchup coming up noon from the horseshoe there. Ohio State favored by four in that one. All right, on the other side, we'll get back into the Colts and Browns. It is a very, very important one for the Colts and continuing to be in any sort of playoff picture, particularly the wild card front of things. So we'll hit on that. And again, a big 10-year anniversary today, tonight, if you will, from a pretty iconic one inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. We'll hit on that as well. Greg Rakestraw, 8. Tucker Barnhart, 8.30. Matt Taylor, 9 o'clock. It is the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy right here on 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. Sam did say he's going to go 1970s on us. He said, I Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I, I, I decided not to, but today I had to break it out for my final day. So, Sam, we appreciate uh, you doing that. Whatever that means, uh, I'm sure the audience will be ready for some uh, for some 70s music. Reminder, we have a busy, busy Sunday coming up. It all begins 9 a.m. Colts and Browns, all the pregame coverage, all the play-by-play, and then obviously the postgame. Uh, Greg Rakestraw going to join us coming up uh, at uh, top of the hour here at 8 o'clock. Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts at 9 o'clock, sandwiched in between a little Tucker Barnhart, a little baseball as we get you ready as those series really uh, picking up now. Uh, getting back to the game on Sunday, KB. If I were to, if I were to kind of nail you down on one thing you're looking for from the Colts, what would it be? Is well, there one item I could nail you down on? Yeah, I, it, it, it's how do you come up with the outside the box score? Because for me, it, it, that has to be there. And when I say outside the box score, I probably mean outside the box touchdown, uh, to be honest with you. Drives are going to stall. It's going to be tough sledding. It, it's not going to look pretty at times. I mean, Cleveland's defense is incredibly stout. And Miles Garrett, I think Colts fans remember this game from a few years ago. It was really 
probably the worst game Phillip Rivers had as a Colt. It was in Cleveland. Garrett was just an absolute menace. And that was against Anthony Costanzo. And, you know, I think four quarterback hits is what he ended the game with. Just dominated that game. Uh, and that was one of the very few games that Rivers had as a Colt where it was like, okay, is he washed? You know, you, you really didn't have many of those games with him. So um, how do you find that, again, outside-the-box score? Are you able to create the Josh Allen play we saw in Gardner Minshew? You know, last night in the Jacksonville-New Orleans game, you saw a pick six from the Jags that obviously ended up being – um, a huge difference maker in that game. A short field. Is it Josh Downs? Is it Isaiah McKenzie on the return? Are you faking a punt? Are you faking a field goal to extend a possession? I know these are kind of some quirky things to bring up, but when you're playing a defense that has been as stout as Cleveland has been, I think all of this stuff is on the table. It's not necessarily there week in and week out, but to me, it's got to be there. Where does the short field come from? You brought up Shaquille Leonard earlier. Again, it's the longest streak of his career without forcing a turnover. You know, how do you get that extra possession and or short field? I think your Grover short storyline is very close to being second on the list. Mm-hmm. But considering how your offense played last week, the questions about Minshew and just moving the football, you know, 10 play, 80 yard drives, that's where I would go to first on the list. Okay, so I went through just numbers. And so what's difficult about this Colts team, KB, is I can't lock down what their formula for success is. <laughs> Does that make sense? Like, you could say, well, Gardner. Minchu, you don't want him throwing the ball a lot, right? You saw that in Jacksonville, but he did throw the ball 55 times in Baltimore, right? So it skews the stats a little bit. There have been games where they've ran the ball well. There have been games where they haven't. You know, they've won games like that. There have been games, you know, they're throwing stats defensively. The only two that I could come up with is, and it's obvious, you know, I put down on my sheet here, this game could also be about the defense of the Colts. And we talked about finding, you know, perhaps some of those turnovers. I brought up Leonard. You brought him up there again. You know, in losses, Indy's allowing 32 points per game. In the wins, it's just 18. I mean, that is that is a massive difference, and you saw that in Jacksonville. When you get the strip sack and you get an immediate ETN touchdown in Jacksonville, we know how devastating that could be. Uh, the only other number, and this is not surprising, and again, it reared its ugly head a couple times this year. In losses, the Colts have turned the ball over eight times, and they forced just four. In wins, the Colts have turned the ball over zero times. Yeah. And I think that's the stat because if you go to their rushing stats, like in losses, they've, you know, they've had 118 rushing yards. They've allowed that. In wins, it's 109. That's not a big deal. That's not a big difference. That is one, you know, nine yard run up the middle. So even the yards per game in passes aren't that different. In losses, they've allowed 249. In wins, 267. Again, that number is not substantial. But I think very much going forward, this is going to be the case without Anthony Richardson. I will see if you agree. Anthony Richardson, because he could make dynamic plays, didn't you feel like, and because the defense had to pay attention when, you know, is he going to put the ball into the belly of the running back and is that going to mean something? Or is he going to tuck it? Is he going to pull it? Is he going to go run with it? Um, Without that, some of that stuff goes away. And defenses know that, the kind of read option stuff is not going to be as dynamic for the Colts. And they also know that Gardner Minshew doesn't have the arm like AR to push it down the field. Turning the ball over lost the game last week. And when the Colts turned the ball over, again, in losses, eight times they turned the ball over. In wins, 
zero times. And they forced four of those, by the way, uh, turnovers themselves in wins. I think this game... You're crunching the numbers listen, here on this Friday KB, morning. I think this game comes down to that stat. I think it does. I think we can. I think if Minshew plays a, a a clean game, and of course you want, of course there's different things. You want to get JT and Moss involved, and at some point you're going to have to hit something big down the field, whether it's Pittman or Downs or Pierce. I understand all those things, but I think it comes down to if Minshew can control the ball and the Colts can create something that you're saying. There's no reason this is not a game that is a field goal game at the end. There's no reason the Colts can't win this game. If we come in here and Gardner Minshew has two more turnovers, to me it's panic time. Well, you know, Cleveland has not been a big turnover no, team this season, and that's what's really stood out to me about their defense. It's it's not like, you know, whatever, they got a safety in Grant Delpit or Rodney McLeod that's had five picks through the first five games. I mean, they have just been, again, line up, and we're going to beat the hell out of you, frankly, in, in your effort to try and get 10 yards and try to get a first down. It's beyond impressive the numbers that they have put up this season in just simply getting you off the field, whether it's a three and out or one first down and you punt. That has been the staple. One thing on the other side of the ball I'm curious about for Sunday, Andy, and moving forward. Again, I have long been an advocate of this schedule. Like I, have like, I know you this have. This schedule is a beaut. And I think an area where this schedule is going to start to let up big time, Andy, is the opposing quarterback you face. If you look at who you face so far, you face Trevor Lawrence twice, you face Matthew Stafford, you face Lamar Jackson, and you face C.J. Stroud. I mean, those are, I would say, you know, pretty good quarterbacks. I, you know, obviously I don't think you label any of them top three, top five, but, you know, those are all hovering right around whatever, top ten quarterbacks. Well, you better not say that about Lamar Jackson or the Lamar Jackson lovers are going to come out of the, the woodwork and take you to task worse than Peegs took me to task. Um, you better, you boy, I, I you listen. You might be getting the last listen, laugh on I, the Peegs I, message I, I, I love you, KB. You better watch out what you say about Lamar Jackson, but understandable. Those are the best quarterbacks on your schedule. Look what's coming up. The quarterbacks on the horizon. P.J. Walker slash a Deshaun Watson who's very worried about his velocity and throwing the football. A If anyone watched the first three quarters last night, Derek Carr looked broken. Yeah. I honestly thought to myself, should they go to Jameis? Yeah. Like, it it, it yeah. got to that point in the game last night. Uh, Bryce Young, we'll see about Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi. Or, or Malik Cunningham. Malik Cunningham with the <laughs> Patriots. Baker Mayfield after that. Who knows who Tennessee's quarterback will be the second time that you face them. So if you look at this stretch without, you know, Grover Stewart, again, it is a notable absence, Stewart. I I don't want to lose sight of that. But if you look at the quarterbacks you're about to face, it is one of the most manageable. I'm not losing any sleep on a Tuesday night getting ready to prep for any of those quarterbacks based off who you just faced. And it's not like... I don't, yeah, I mean, there were certainly moments in all those games where the quarterbacks you faced, Lawrence, Stafford, probably stand out more than others, where they certainly had success against you. But I'm curious if this defense, now if, as they go down a tier and the quarterbacks they face, you could argue multiple tiers, how do they play? Because again, so much of it, Andy, is more heavy lifting on their plate. That's just how the roster's built. It's how the situation is right now with Anthony Richardson to Gardner Minshew. You need that group to do that. And so that is something I'm watching for on Sunday and then in the weeks to come as well. I think Cleveland, listen, I agree with you. I would say Cleveland's a little bit different given that they have the elite defense, right? 
Uh, they're different than the other teams. Like the Saints, the Saints have a bad quarterback situation, and they have some nice players. I mean, Alvin Kamara is a nice player. I don't need to tell you that. Chris Olave, he had a bad night, but he is still a solid player. And they have some guys. Michael Thomas had another touchdown, kind of a reclamation project, finally getting healthy this year. But they don't have that defense. I mean, they, they don't no. have a Browns defense where you're worried. Carolina doesn't have that other unit that worries you. New England doesn't have that as well. The Titans right now, you've already beat them again. Again, uh, they, they, you know, the Titans could very well get to the point in November, December, where they don't have a quarterback that can even keep them in a game. Like, I'm not sure Will Levis or Malik um, Willis, like, they have a chance to win a game. Like, you at least have a chance to win with Gardner Minshew. We got to do the mayo and the coffee. Well, I've, w- listen, I mean, if Will Levis. play the second if, time around. Listen, if Levis is playing especially. I say if Levis is dressing in the game. Okay. I mean, I guess he's dressing. If he's one play away. <laughs> I mean, and Malik, listen, Malik Willis is going to run the football. I can tell you that he's going to get, he's going to get hit. I, you know, I would say you're right. You have been consistent the way the, the win loss record that you put out there before the season and you've been consistent throughout the season. The ups and downs early on from the Colts has been, look at who they're playing, look at the quarterbacks you're playing, look at the quarterbacks that you're playing in Lucas Oil even. Uh, to me, that does two things. It, it it puts the hey, you got to win some of these games. Like it puts more pressure on. We're not going to just write off losses because you're not facing really good teams. Does that make sense? Like it magnifies the loss. If you lose to some of these teams, it's going to be magnified. I mean, good God, if they lost to the Saints and Panthers or Saints or Panthers, can you imagine that? I mean, it would be a lot more gnashing, weeping and gnashing of teeth if they lost that game. And the second thing it does, and I hate doing it, but my mind always goes back to it. It's the reason Anthony Richardson being injured is such a kick in the groin is because the ceiling of him getting better and him getting better on the back of a bunch of teams who are middling to bad teams in the NFL, right? You, you, you look at these next four weeks, and on paper, I mean, even Sunday, what are you, is it a two-point underdog, it, one and a half? It, it's it's about two right now. Let me look it up it, on DraftKings. Again, very, very manageable. I, I would argue that will be the highest underdog the Colts will be in the next four weeks. It's up to three right now. Okay. I I can't, I don't know if that's Watson practicing yesterday or what that is, but I can't see the Saints, you know, being a higher favorite than that. I certainly can't, even on the road, I I can't see Carolina being that in New England and Germany. I don't see that either. So the next four games, Andy, you could talk yourself into three and one. Uh, Listen, I think they need to be three and one. Don't they? the, The issue, or maybe not the issue is, but the emphasis on Sunday, though, is that's the one that outweighs all the others. Because, again, AFC wildcard standings. You look at Jacksonville last night, they are 5-2. and two. They've got one game in the next 20-some days. That will be Pittsburgh. So as you make your way through this four-game stretch, the Colts are going to be playing a lot more games than Jacksonville. Your ability to put pressure on them in the division, that's going to have to be a long process. Jacksonville's going to have to slip up for that right. to really, really happen. Jacksonville's most likely going to win the AFC South. So now I think that's understandable. kind of start to shift towards the wild card, and that's where you look at Sunday and see the seventh seed Browns, the eighth seed Colts. The Colts already have a head-to-head over Baltimore. I mean, that could come in handy potentially at the end of the year. Colts already beat Houston. I know that might sound crazy, but could that matter at the end of the year? This would be another one. And, and, you know, I I know I'm maybe not talking to 100% of our audience. There probably is a portion of our audience, Andy, it's like playoffs. But we, I mean. No, they probably think what the hell is KB talking about. But when you're three and three and it's week seven and the AFC 
has presented a standings right now where the Colts are right there, smack dab in the middle of the conference. We're going to talk about it, and you know we'll see if that will be there on Halloween and that will be there on Thanksgiving and as we get deeper, deeper into the season. Um, I did bring this up earlier. I do want to ask Greg Rakestraw when he joins us in about 10 minutes, and I'm curious your view from afar because we lived it so much mm-hmm. that it was an iconic night, and I remember it like it was yesterday. It was emotion-filled. The game was really an outstanding, a highly entertaining game. Do you have any memories about Peyton Manning's first game back inside of Lucas Oil Stadium, which the 10-year anniversary of that is today, October 20th? No, not really. No, help me here. (laughs) A lot of air out of the balloon with that one. Maybe our local audience will have Sorry. some more vivid memories <laughs> of that. Do you want me to lie? So that, that was which not one? a regular season which, game. That you, which, you, yeah, it was 10 years ago. You don't remember Peyton taking off the helmet, patting the heart a little bit as they uh, as they played the video on the on the Jumbotron? Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, a, a Robert Mathis strip sack for a safety. <laughs> Pat no. McAfee sending Trendon Holiday into the Denver bench. None of that. Oh, man. I think I actually may remember that. That was 10 years ago. I remember 10 days ago. KB, I don't remember anything. I don't remember 10 hours ago other than a crying baby. Little I got ass no, is taking a yeah, lot of your memory I, away. I got no brain right now. It's been wiped away by a baby and by bourbon. Do you understand me? 10 did, years ago did he today. Put me in a, did he put me in a bad spot there, Sam, to not know what happened 10 years ago and not remember I thought uh, you might just every lie strip and tell sack? us that, that, you, that you Well, did. I mean, you that know, was the other thing. Do I lie and say, oh, I mean, who? listen, who around us doesn't remember 10 years ago? I'd be an idiot to not know 10 years ago. Of course, I'm reading a book right now. Bob Kravitz wrote a great book about it. I'm just joking. Yeah. I was Ten like, years geez, ago. Did he really? <laughs> no. Go ahead. Fill me in. Uh, again, Peyton's first game back here, a Sunday night game. I'm, Honestly, I'm watching video right now. The weather on Sunday, a little bit on the cooler side, kind of reminds me of that night. You know, Peyton was never a big, uh, I want the roof open sort of guy. <laughs> so when he's on the other sideline, what do you do? You, you open the on damn a chilly roof. fall night. You, you better believe it. Well, so gamesmanship. Let's was go. Open 39-33. The Colts beat the Broncos on that Sunday night football game. Again, obviously the scene of Peyton running out of the tunnel. Yeah, I'm looking at it right and now. As he's the throwing half, the football, the half jerseys. As he's warming up Ugh. with who? I, I, Osweiler maybe would have been the backup quarterback <laughs> then. They showed the tribute video. Peyton has a moment where he removes himself from being, you know, pregame robot to showing a little bit of motion there pregame. Denver jumped all over the Colts early in that game. And the Mathis strip sack, to me, I think that's the loudest moment that I've heard in Lucas Oil Stadium. And, and obviously, Mathis, you know, not allowed to hit Peyton for his entire career. And that blindside hit, the ball bouncing through the end zone for a safety, that was the play that ignited everything. And the Colts really jumped all over Denver after that, and then it was hold on for uh, dear life. But quite the entertaining game, 39-33, tons of turnovers, tons of points. I remember Denver having several on sportsmanlike pendants. Was think, Nolan I, their coach then? I think Aqib Tlaib might have got into it with a few Colts. Okay, by the way, I love Aqib Tlaib. Snatching chains. You're a Kansas Aqib oh, Tlaib fan? I mean, who, I don't care about the Kansas part at all. I don't care about the Kansas part. Oh, yeah. Eric Walden. I'm looking at Eric Walden quotes right now. Yeah, I'm remembering this. I had no idea where you're going with that. Sam, did you know where he was going with that? With the 10-year anniversary? I was Usually, we're, we're pretty good. I know where KB's going. I think he kind of knows where I'm going on that one. I had no idea where he was going with the 10-year I, anniversary. I, I don't know if it's I'm, like a roller coaster. I'm like, I'm just going to let I'm just gonna go down this hill, and we'll see what happens. I don't know if I'm proud of this moment <laughs> or not, but I was one of those people that did the 
Peyton comes off the bus, I need to be right there to get the picture of him walking up the visitor's tunnel. Okay. So what, what I, were you doing 10 years ago? I need to tweet this picture out. Um, were you covering the game yeah, then 10 years ago? Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so this is the picture here. I'll, I'll, I'll show it to you. Peyton giving me the glare as I'm taking the oh, picture I like that. of him walking up oh, the, that's fantastic. the visitor's tunnel. I'll have to tweet that out later later today, but... I mean, I don't. You know what? You know what? I didn't like. I didn't like the uh, the the Colts fans, and I'm sure there's some that have that had the half jersey. Remember when he left? Did you ever have the half jersey that was half Colts, half Broncos? Can't say I ever rocked the old <laughs> half jersey. I I will say this. I was very curious what the environment would be like that night inside of Lucas Oil Stadium because I'm thinking to myself, oh boy. You know, you've got Colleen Bowen sitting there, and she's just going to be so emotional seeing Peyton. Oh, boy. And, and is she going to be able to cheer against him? Is she going to be able to boo? Hey, Does she know? When the game starts, the game starts. When that ball was kicked off. You're damn right. You talk about a building changing from wiping away tears to that man plays for the wrong team. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. I thought it was one of the best nights inside of Lucas Oil. Ten years ago today, Andy Sweeney, zero memories. Uh, yeah, but, but now I do. Now my memory's jarred. It wasn't something that was on my... I didn't cry. I wasn't thinking, damn, I'm going to get... You didn't have the half jersey in Sellersburg I did not. on? Which is the better half jersey? The Or the the half? The This area, which one is more prevalent? The Colts-Broncos half or the Indiana-Texas Tech-Bobby Knight uh, half hat or half shirt or half anything. Is that a thing? Dude, I have a buddy who I have a buddy who wrote his dad wrote off Indiana for like a decade after Bobby Knight and wore Texas Tech gear. He might still have a Texas Tech hat somewhere right now in Clarksville, Indiana. What was Knight's quote? <laughs> like this is the best red sweater I've ever put on in my life or something like that when he took the Texas Tech. It was Tech week job. seven, Broncos and Colts. Much better than the primetime games we get now. Well, now, now we get Saints, Sunday night Jets. is good this week. Eagles well, it offense is. is very good. Yeah. And, and, you know, when you think about regular season games that nationally you, like, somewhat circle on the calendar, this one is one of them. I mean, Eagles-Dolphins, and I'd like to think nationally, again, we live in our own little Peyton Colts bubble here, so certainly for us it was, but um, I would think nationally that was one that obviously stood out. a little bit you know more what? Than most. Manning winning the Super Bowl, obviously, but Manning throwing he won so it that many, year, right? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Manning throwing so many of those like screen hitch routes, or was it twenty fifteen to, to Demarius Thomas and those guys? Yeah, I remember looking at, Eric Decker having a big night. Oh, it, by the night. way, Eric Decker, fantastic looking guy. Yeah, he and his it, wife are just like one of those couples where say, they look perfect. Mrs. Decker, my God, yeah. Uh-huh. I'm seeing here. Thanks, Payton, but tonight I'm a Colts fan. <laughs> Is that one of the posters? <laughs> yeah, look at the posters right now. <laughs> I love it. Greg Rickstraw, he joins us next here. It's a wake-up call with KB and Andy. All right, 8 o'clock hour, broadcasting live from the drivehubler.com studios. KB and Andy's Kevin Bowen. I'm Andy Sweeney. I'm looking at this uh, Peyton Manning return. I'm watching all these videos. There's a sign. I do remember this sign. And then there's something else that's funny and it's jarring. Uh, And it's just 10 years ago, okay? And again, I would have been 29 years old going on to 30. Uh, A sign says, we love you, Peyton, but we have luck on our side now. And then uh, surrounded the sign, and I'm seeing this everywhere. KB, do you remember 10 years ago we were using digital cameras? Were we really? A lot of guys with digital cameras. Do you remember 10 years ago we were still using digital cameras? I wonder if Greg Rakestraw has any memories about 10 (laughs) years ago tonight. Rake, you got any memories 10 years ago tonight? Peyton's return to Lucas Oil. We could have done that post-game show till 6 in the morning. <laughs> we could have carried it all the way to the morning show at that point in time. Um, the game took forever. 
Um, just just for whatever reason, the national stage, the welcome back, the amount of points that were scored. 39-33. And so, you know, we it was one of the rare times where I just basically told affiliates, I don't think they care because we were on so late at that point, that we weren't going to make our, our sign-off window, which I think would have been 1.30 uh, in, in, in the morning. And we basically kept them on later. Uh, and then we took the local show past the normal hour till 3 or 3.30 because people were still up. People were wanting to talk <laughs> sure. about the game. Sure. People wanted to talk about Peyton's return. The other couple of things that stand out to me, uh, two or three things off the top of my head. One, it was a chilly night, and the roof was open just to mess with Peyton. That, <laughs> that was a, a fact. I think it would slow down their offense. Two, I'm not sure Robert Mathis has ever been more excited about a Oh, my gosh. He went nuts. For so long uh, and finally got the opportunity to do so. Now, here's the negative. Three, Reggie Wayne got hurt, was out for the year. That team was completely different from that point in time forward. And unfortunately, that really signified the end of what had been. because Reggie came back and played next year, but was clearly affected. And that was the end for him after 2014. And it was that game that night that he got hurt, and we never saw the same Reggie Wayne again. Great call. I forgot Wayne, yeah, tore his ACL, and if I remember correctly, kind of a little bit of a comeback route. Uh, I was just looking that up, 57 degrees, uh, kind of a windy night as well. You know Peyton was not a fan of that. Boy, Mathis's reaction after that sack, that is so true. I mean, he went absolutely nuts i had a tweet here about you know him kind of pointing this is my house this is my house <laughs> right over uh peyton after that sack there uh yeah that was uh I, to me right that's one of the louder moments in in the history of lucas oil absolutely and if you walk down the hall from the fan studios the drivehubler.com studios in fact you will see a framed kind of game poster that that commemorates that night of Peyton's return from October of 2013. And, you know, Facebook scrolling last night, you see some highlights fire by. And it took me a minute to go, who's it that caught that screen pass? Oh, Darius Hayward Day actually caught that one. And <laughs> wow, then it's a name you, from the past. You, you see the hitter to Stanley Havili, who was here for all of one year uh, when the Colts signed a fullback from the Philadelphia Eagles. And he had a touchdown grab. That was in that game as well. So there were some, there there were some walks down memory lane of guys. You go, oh yeah, I almost forgot he played here. Uh, Greg Rakes for all joining us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline on this Football Friday on the Fan. The more important question is, how much money did the Rakes Straws spend on digital cameras back in the day? I'm looking at all these photos, and everyone's got a digital camera. Remember those? I do remember those. <laughs> uh, I'm old enough to Polaroids, Andy, uh, and so. Uh, I, I, I don't think we spent big, but I do think that we were rocking a digital camera. Oh, yeah. You had to load them up to the computer uh, and everything else. Uh, I guess what has been, uh, you get ready for the game on Sunday against the Browns. Uh, how do you view this game? Obviously, it's a big game, the great defense for Cleveland. We don't know who the quarterback's going to be. I'm not sure how big of a deal that ultimately is. But the Anthony Richardson news uh, comes down a couple days after that tough loss in Jacksonville. And then a couple days, the Gro- you know, days ago, the Grover Stewart news comes down as well. Uh, this would be a big win, a big positive, and would kind of stop the bleeding on Sunday if the Colts could get the win. How do you view Sunday's game and, I guess, some of the happenings this week in Colts land? 
Uh, basically, I would view Sunday's game as pivotal because I think you have three very winnable games after this heading into the bye. In other words, if you can get this one, it'd be massive. If not, it's not the end of the world. Um, I do think whom the other quarterback is is very important uh, because I, I, I think you've got to find a way. If it's Deshaun Watson, you've got to find a way to get to 20 points. And, and against this Browns defense, that is clearly proven to be difficult. If not, you might be able to win this one 14-10 or 10-7 mm-hmm. uh, just because P.J. Walker's a good story. We know him well here. That is a completely different offense if it's not Deshaun Watson, who has not yet lived up to what whatever the Browns hoped he would be when they brought him in, he's still far better than P.J. Walker is. So whom the opposing quarterback is, I think, is a very big deal. Uh, but I kind of think this is going to be a rock fight. I think this is going to be an, an amplified version of what we saw two weeks ago between the Colts and the Titans where you just simply knew the points were going to be at a premium. You're going to see a lot of seven- and eight-man boxes going in both directions, trying to stop the running game. Uh, you know, coming up on uh, on Sunday. So this is going to be old school physical football when these two teams get together on Sunday afternoon. He is Greg Rakestraw. Obviously, the high school football playoffs get underway here tonight and will be a crisp fall. It sounds like it should be dry, though, so good news on that front here. For Friday Night Football, we'll certainly keep an eye on that, and we'll talk with Rake about that here in just a few. One more on Colts and Browns coming up on Sunday. It's not often that I go on the flip side of it from a, hey, let's talk about the Browns roster for a second, but the Indianapolis connections and the Colts connections are pretty abundant. I want to focus indie-wise. They got a Ben Davis dude starting at right tackle. They got a Warren dude who made a huge fourth down play last week. It's been probably a quieter start to David Bell's career than you know some would have thought. Uh, Dewan Jones, though, at right tackle has been huge for them, literally and figuratively. Uh, since Jack Conklin was lost for the season. Uh, kind of baptism by fire for the rookie at right tackle, but he's done a nice job. Uh, memories of Dewan Jones, I guess football and basketball, and David Bell. Honestly, probably two of the better two-sport athletes yep. this state has, frankly, ever produced. Dewan was, was more of a basketball player until about a senior year of high school. Uh, and, and, then, and I always thought back then that I'm like, okay, he's going to play college basketball because he can always come back to football. Um, and, and then it finally dawned on me, hey, dummy, if he does that, he's a third-round picker undrafted free agent. <laughs> if he goes the football route first, he might be a first-round pick. You know, he, he was the rare kid that went to college. They had to put weight on. They're like, hey, you could actually drop about 20 pounds. Uh, and, and, and you knew that would happen with working with a nutritionist and, and kind of focusing on this full-time. Um, one of the nicest kids you're ever going to meet. Andy doesn't know this, but when he was in southern Indiana in June of 2019, he felt what he thought might have been a minor earthquake. <laughs> that was actually DeWan dunking in the Indiana-Kentucky All-Star game at Bellarmine. <laughs> Bellarmine, yeah. Knights and, Hall. And, 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 and as it became evident, the, it was going to be him on a kind of a two-on-one dunk. Like, you could hear, like, like this murmur from the crowd as in, like, is the building going to stay upright? Is the rim going to hang on? Are we seeing the end of this game because of DeWan throwing it down at six foot seven and three hundred and fifty pounds? Um, he didn't have the biggest catch radius in terms of being a low post player, but when he got the ball, you weren't stopping that dude, and, and his hands were phenomenal. He's truly really kind of the, the, the dancing bear, so to speak. So 
I had a chance to call a lot of his basketball games. Again, in football, he was noticeable, but he was a basketball kid first that happened to convert to football, and clearly it's worked out for him. Uh, as far as David Bell is concerned, you're right. I, I think we all kind of thought that, that, that and again, let's, let's not write him off after a year and a half, um, but he made that transition from Warren Central to Purdue very successfully. Uh, and and getting reps, and again, part of it is maybe the quarterback position, the turnover that they've had, et cetera. Um, but, but, again, he was a kid on the flip side, football kid first, was a really good basketball player. And I always thought he could have played at Purdue, both sports, uh, because he was, you know, wasn't anything flashy, but was just so solid. You know, may, may, maybe the comp would have been something like a smaller version of a Rayfell Davis or a Chris Kramer. Hmm. He could have been that guy. He played basketball at, at Purdue for Matt Painter. So fortunate to know both those guys very well, really quality human beings, and I am hopeful for both of them. We're talking about 10-year NFL careers for the each of them. I think that's certainly possible. Greg Regstraw with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. KB mentioned uh, high school tonight. What are the highlights? What are the games you're watching? And then, I guess, what game will you be following tonight? All right, so my game tonight is Tunnel and Heights in Greenfield Central. Uh, free stream on IHSATV.org. That is the case for the first four weeks of the postseason. All online streaming, once we get to the postseason, goes through the IHSAA's official website. You can see the game on MyNDTV23. It's a Greenfield program that has been better, but they've not had a year like this in a long time. They have not won a sectional since 75. They are number four in the state. Uh, they are 8-1. and one. Their lone loss was to their chief tormentor over the last decade in New Pal, and that was a game that was tied at 14 in the fourth quarter. And New Pal scored about midway through the fourth to win that one. 21-14. It's likely New Pal that awaits the winner of either of these two teams. When these two teams played back in week number four, Greenfield outlasted them 43-38. to So if we have anything like that one from back in week number four, we're in for a treat tonight. Uh, part of the reason why we're doing something different tonight, again, is that no 5A, no 6A, all of those schools wait until the second week so we get to focus on some different schools, some smaller schools. So uh, 1A through 4A uh, gets the uh, gets the featured attraction status around the state of Indiana tonight. Rick, how would you rank the uh, openness of the tournament, uh, whatever state tournament runs for the respective sure. classes? I know I'm not saying that in the correct way, but you know, how, how would you rank kind of the wide openness of each class? There are multiple championship possibilities in every classification. I think, with the exception of one, and that is 1A Lutheran. Um, I think Lutheran would win 2A if, if they were in 2 and they would be competitive in 3A. That's how good that program has become. Dave Pash done a great job down there, and I'm not sure Remus Woods isn't doing the same thing from a basketball standpoint down at Lutheran as well. Um, it should be Lutheran and Adams Central in the state championship game again. Uh, I think almost any other year, Adams Central will be the heavy favorite in 1A. I'm not sure they got anything for Lutheran. Um, 3A could be like that. Here, here's the reason why I hesitate for that, and it's and it's it's the field that Chittard faces early in their sectional. For example, Chittard plays host to Tippecanoe Valley. Uh, that is a very spread out sectional. They are in in 3A. There are four nine and O teams in that sectional. It is possible that Chittard would play nine and O, ten and O, eleven and O in their first three rounds of the wow. tournament. 
Uh, now, one of those I think won't happen because if they get past Tippie Valley this week, they would likely play Garen, and Garen plays 9-0 Peru in their sectional opener tonight. Garen hung with Shatar when they played a few weeks ago. It was a 13-7 game. Um, Garen's other loss is, is, is Ron Colley, who is down but still is a, is a quality you know, for a school. So I, I think if Shatard makes it out of their sectional, uh, and again, I think the likely path for them is Tippy Valley, Garen, and then an undefeated Hamilton Heights team, which basically has gone a month without giving up a point. If they do that, then I think Shatard is off the races in terms of the 3A championship. But other than that, multiple potential champs in, in, in 2A, I think in 4A, a lot of good teams, but it comes down to East Central and Wrights. In 5A, I can make a case for five or six different teams. And in 6A, there's the big three who are all in the same half of the bracket. And the teams from up north, HSE, Fishers, Westfield, I all think are quality enough where they would give whoever comes out of the south a pretty good game in the 6A championship. So my typical long-winded answer, there's one heavy favorite and then kind of a second one right behind that in Lutheran and Chittard. After that, you've got multiple permutations in each class. Did you say Garen Peru tonight? Is that correct? I believe so, yes. Well, we've got to get, and I'm picturing the old XFL, Rake. So remember how the XFL used to do the coin toss? You know, you have two guys that would literally be whatever, yeah, 10 and yards and away. And, from... and a dude blew out his shoulder for the entire year. Absolutely. Right, remember that. Yeah. right. Well, if it's Garen Peru, can we get Chris Denary and Jeremiah Johnson squaring off and doing that, right? Didn't didn't uh, Chris's kids go to Garen? And obviously, Jeremiah Johnson, a Peru icon. Can can we think we can make that uh, happen? Uh, that may be happening at Pacers training camp as we speak today. I don't know it, KB. <laughs> Carlisle says, final day of training camp. All right, Denary Johnson, you get in here and uh, go head-to-head. Uh, all right, Greenfield Central and Pendleton Heights, is that correct? That is correct, sir. IHSA.org, my Indy 23. Rake, always enjoy our Friday chats. Uh, look forward to the playoff season getting underway. You got it. See you, fellas. That is Greg Rakestraw right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, Andy, I'm currently opening up the most worthless app in all of apps. That would be the weather app. I knew you were going to go to that. What on does it say? On my phone, I am seeing 55 and sunny. Well, I guess the sun will be setting at that time. Uh, coming up tonight for kickoff around the state of india well i should say around central indiana uh, but no precipitation in the forecast so good news on that end it's football weather front it's 55 degrees and uh and come on it's a football weather what are we doing here yeah makes There's sense. no complaints are we going to that? roof open sunday no high of 58 on sunday don't you want to do the opposite isn't cleveland used to playing in the cold um, Don't you want to try to make them as warm as possible? I saw Bubba Ventrone, Colts, a former Colts yeah. special teams coordinator, what did he now say? Brown special teams coordinator. He believes the roof will be open. Oh, does does he? Okay. It was open against Tennessee, right? Now, the window was not open, but the roof was. Can I ask you something about Sunday as well? Do we get a Bubba Ventrone, Nick Sirianni reaction if the Browns win that game? No. No. No, that's Sirianni living up to his... Uh, his personality, right? That's not Bubba Ventrone saying. I don't. I don't think that's Bubba Ventrone, right? As interim head coach, you literally hired a dude yeah, off well. TV to be the interim head coach. Does he look up at Jim Mercer's boot and go look at double the, birds? Yeah. Does he look at the box like? Don't blame the fans. Sirianni was blaming the fans. He was blaming everybody. He's blaming you. I don't think Ventrone's going to do that. I think he's just got a Bubba's got some fire to him. I think Bubba's I mean, just your got, name is not Raymond well, on the birth certificate. You go by you go Bubba by Bubba without a lot of fire in you. 
I guess you're right. By the way, I'm still watching highlights of this game from 10 years ago. Demar- <laughs> you, you Demaris, in. Demaris Thomas just dropped a touchdown. I had totally forgot. I remember it being a wild game. Dude, it's Turnovers wild. galore, scores oh, yeah. galore. Again, McAfee sends Trenton Holiday into the bench with a huge hit. I love. I just love the names of like like Darius Hayward Bay. I forgot about him until Rake mentioned him a couple minutes ago. Well, that was still Hayward Bay. And for those that missed it, again, the 10-year anniversary of Peyton's uh, first game back here in Indianapolis is today. That was still Hayward Bay of the Colts thinking he maybe could be a wideout. Sure. It, it very quickly went to, he's a gunner. Yeah. But we weren't yeah. quite there yet. Oh, it was still reps. like a, he maybe could be a wide. I totally forgot until Rake mentioned it. That was Reggie torn ACL game. Yeah. Yeah, Wes Welker honestly, just had a big catch. Probably Eric Decker, I remember Decker just having a yeah. huge night. He, he had a he had a he had a big one. There's no Stanley doubt. Stanley Havili Rake brought that. Can name I ask out? you something about Sunday? The USC okay. fullback. I, I need to ask you something about Sunday. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. So, the Tennessee game. That's when you you and the wife and everything else. You guys were out in Arizona. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. so you were not there, correct? Uh, and so I was there, and uh, what Cameron, the engineer, he was hanging around. Uh, Brendan King was there. JMV was there for like a half. Jake was there. Now this Sunday, Jake obviously he's what he's backpacking in Europe, like he's a twenty-one-year-old. What's he doing? I thought okay. he was doing the Europe thing, but I think he's just doing uh, his annual road trip with his oh, buddy. Oh, is it just Mike, the road Mike trip? Byron. Okay, I believe Long Island. Oh, uh, you know what? You're exactly right. So Jake, uh, you know, so Jake's gonna be out of town. I don't. Know if J- I don't know how many games JMV goes to. Oh, well, I, I, was con- every week. I guess the thing is, I was considering going. Yeah. And we have we have assigned seats there for the fan. Now there were a ton of empty seats. That's a it's a massive press box. Okay. Right. So there were some empty seats. What's the etiquette? I imagine I imagine you have one of those seats and you yeah, move right everybody next to Mike uh, Mike Chapel. Okay. So you you have your seat. Okay. Now Chap wasn't there when I was there. So do you have a different seat? Because uh, well, that was by like Kent uh, Kent Sterling, yeah, in that I group. Sit, yeah, I guess I I'm the row right above where you. So are you're not sitting. sitting in the fan seat, is what I'm asking. Because if I show up, I don't want to take somebody's seat if someone's covering no, the game. No, I'm right next to the guys that are in charge of like the radio headsets on the sidelines. Fair enough. And then um. um and then Chap. Okay. Well, I'm praying if I'm there on Sunday that the Spanish broadcast of the Browns and Colts didn't get a radio booth so they can be calling the game like the the Cowboys. <laughs> do the Browns have a Spanish broadcast? <laughs> I don't know. I'm hoping they do. Uh, for the umpteenth <laughs> week in a row, it will be Spiro Ditas and Adam Archuleta on the call. I think it is the actually the third straight week of that broadcast crew. Next week, though, it will be a Fox broadcast I, with the Saints coming I, to town. Before I checked out, I have one more thing on this game. And just you in are general. so locked no, into this. No, because well, I'm, I'm seeing John Fox's face up here, which is funny. Um, he was an ten, assistant for the Ten Colts years year. ago, Wes Welker, like, like, you know, if you think about 10, 12, 13 years ago, the Wes Welker position was Wes Welker. <laughs> now everyone's got a Wes Welker. Wasn't it Brandon Stokely before before it was Wes Welker? Yeah, yeah, but no one remembers Stokely the way they remember Welker, right? And that's unfortunate for him. Isn't that isn't I mean maybe you view it differently, but when you view the the genesis of that position, isn't Wes Welker the first guy you go to and run around New England and now it's Denver? the Josh Downs position? And now it's the Josh Downs position, of course. Uh, we'll see the <laughs> continued role for Josh Downs again. Alec Pierce, for those that missed it, he did return to practice yesterday. He was limited. He did, I'd say, a decent amount of work off to the side when we were out there on Wednesday. So 
Um, that looks to be at least not a long absence, potentially playing on Sunday after Pierce left the game against Jacksonville late with a shoulder injury, but still no Braden Smith. And when you're facing Miles Garrett, and Zedarius Smith has been a pretty quality rusher over his career, um, that is not ideal. So look for Blake Freeland uh, to get the start here for another week in a row. Zedarius is a pretty good story. He was, I believe, a Juco guy, and I don't know why. And then he went one year Kentucky. Did and he? that's back in the day. Like, I know you've covered these things. Back in the day uh, at Lucas Oil, where, remember where you were, like, in the four-year for the NFL Combine? Remember when they put yeah, all the uh-huh. radio gas bags in, like, the big four-year? Yeah, out in the concourse. Uh, yeah, out in the concourse. Yeah. And we, like, interviewed Zedarius Smith for, like, 20 minutes. Like, just a great interview. I just remember that one because was he the same draft as Johnny Manziel when Manziel walked in and there were the most media you've ever seen? Yeah, for a while there. media around Manziel. You know, for a while there, (laughs) you had just these press conferences that literally streamed out to Georgia Street, it seemed like. It was Manziel one year. It was Manti Teo one year. It was Jameis Winston one year. uh, What was it? Kyler Murray in the baseball discussion one year. Uh, last year it was probably more of Bryce Young and how tall you are and how <laughs> big your hands are. You know, the yeah. hand size is always the. Uh, I, is and always I will the never thing. forget Anthony Richardson getting to the podium. I think it was exactly after Bryce Young, Oof. and me thinking to myself, "Holy hell, that dude could start for the Pacers at power forward." Yeah, they played the same position. That's I'm what like, I thought. Well, I, I literally saw him, and I'm thinking to myself, "No, he's with the DNs, right?" I thought DNs weren't supposed to talk till you know Saturday. Why is he? Why is he chatting? <laughs> I remember who's the guy. Who's the guy? Laramie Tunsil. Remember him? Oh no, no. Was it uh, Kim Dichi? Is that how you said it? The Ole Miss guy. Remember when Ole Miss with Hugh oh, Freeze Robert, had all the guys? Robert. Robert remember he? Yeah. Remember he jumped out of a window at a hotel at the he was combine. On, no, he was on that spice stuff. Remember when oh. the, the spice drug? I think he was on, <laughs> I do that. and he he jumped out of he jumped out of a window at a hotel. And I think it was Jason Cole at the time who wrote for Yahoo was just grilling him. And they were like face to face, like as close as we are. And he was at the podium, and Kimdichi was being grilled by Jason Cole. He was Jason kind of a bust, Cole. right? Uh, he was very much a bust. Larry yeah. Tunsil, not a bust. No, 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 not at all. All right, Tucker Barnhart in five minutes. We'll talk some baseball. With him as these series continue to get uh, pretty darn competitive here, ALCS, NLCS. Let's lead off the morning check down with Thursday Night Football, though. The morning check down. Yeah, quickly last night, NFL Week se- uh, Week 7 underway this season. Jags now four in a row. Winners 31-24 over the Saints. Uh, Derek Carr did not look good, especially in the red zone. The Jags, they tried to keep the Saints in the game, and they did for the most part. Christian Kirk touchdown late was the difference, 31-24. Three games in 14 days for Jacksonville. Three games, KB, in 14 days, and uh, they won them all, 31-24 last night. And now they barely play. Now they sit around for the next couple weeks. Fell awful for Foster Moreau last night. For those that did not stay up and watch the end of that game, Jacksonville scored late to go up 31-24. Saints drive all the way down the field, get to a goal-to-go situation. Moreau, for those unfamiliar with the story, um, Hodgkin's lymphoma from back in the spring. Um, The Saints found it in their free agent visit. And and, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Oh, and the, the physical? Yeah, the medical physical for him uh, in his shoulder area. Full remission by July, so just a great story of him being able to play this year. He dropped a touchdown last night on that third and goal that would have 
sent the game into overtime there. So, again, the Colts will now take on the Saints a week from Sunday. All right, uh, Pacers tonight. It is their final preseason game. By all accounts, Andy, this is not going to be like dress rehearsal, or or excuse me, uh, opposite of that, uh, play only the Mad Ant guys tonight. It (laughs) does seem like they're going to focus a little bit more on their rotation. Uh, We'll see if Tyrese Halliburton gives it a go. Andrew Nemhard should see his first preseason action after passing a kidney stone Mm. earlier this month. Um, And again, Wednesday, that is the opener for the Pacers. It'll be the Washington Wizards in town. So it's the Cavs tonight to round out the four-game preseason slate for the Pacers. Yeah, quickly, Major League Baseball. Again, we'll talk with Tucker Barnhart here in about five minutes. Astros, 10-3 winners uh, late last night. That that series now even to a piece. And Phillies, losers 2-1 to the Diamondbacks. Uh, Phillies still leads that series 2-1. The games tonight, Astros-Rangers at 5 o'clock. Phillies-Diamondbacks at 8 o'clock. College football? Who we got, Ohio State or Penn State? Um, I think I like the under in that game. I, I'll go close Ohio State. I'll go close Ohio State. So it's a four-point spread. Yeah. I assume you're not touching that if you're saying I, you like I, Ohio State yeah, close. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not touching the spread in that one, but I think if you can get the over-under, what is it, like 45? 45 and yeah, a Yeah, I mean, I could see that game being lower scoring. Penn State's, you know, they have such lofty numbers, but they just haven't played anybody. They just really haven't played anybody. No, they haven't. A couple pretty good games. Alabama-Tennessee at 3.30, and then the nightcap, uh, you will see how much USC can bounce back. I guess you got two good ones at night. That would be Duke and Florida State. Is this the last test for Florida State all year? I think, they've started Yeah, and I think and the Duke quarterback's back, right? L- Riley, Riley Leonard's Leonard, questionable God, for that game. He looked dead at the end of that Notre Dame game. And then USC-Utah, we'll see how Caleb Williams responds. I, I don't mean to bring us back to it, oh but uh, as a Penn State, it's the only other Pennsylvania team I root for, Penn State. Now, that's on the other side of the state, correct? Uh, it's it's dead center. I mean, it's or really it's not very, Philadelphia, very middle I guess is what of I was Pennsylvania. Saying. Yeah, I, I went to school an hour south of it. So. It's either you're going to be Penn State or you're going to be like a Temple fan. Here, here's the deal. Like a Pitt fan in Pat Narduzzi. Villanova. Didn't yeah. Brian Westbrook <laughs> play football? Villanova, he did. He Ohio did. State is our game every year where Penn State fans collectively do a nice, big, deep breath and go, well, it was fun while it lasted. Yeah, I agree. This, yeah. is, this is the end of our of our thinking we're a good team. Yeah, like 26-23 Ohio State, something like that. Rutgers, Indiana, noon tomorrow. Our coverage will be over on WIBC. Purdue and Notre Dame with buys. Uh, Indiana is a five-and-a-half-point underdog homecoming in Bloomington against the fighting Greg Shianos. How about this Harbaugh news? Dude, I wanted to talk about it, but I know we have a we have guests and B that's just like Colts footballs coming well, up and everything. We, we but it's awesome. A, we have a couple minutes because Tucker Barnhart says his six and three year olds are wrestling each other, so he's running a little bit behind right now. <laughs> Who's winning? I would imagine the six year old, right? Oh, the feisty three year old is finally <laughs> getting in that's there. That's the case. Yeah. Are they like wrestlers? Are they grappling or is it? No, we'll uh, have to is ask it jujitsu? What what exactly is Future it? Brownsburg okay, wrestlers so, there. So Michigan stealing signs. Uh, so they're alleged to have stealing sides. This has been going on for a number of years with Harbaugh. But the issue is and, they did it in person, correct? Yeah, yeah, the issue is you can't do it in person. And then on top of it, um, my man Pat Forty of SI and also some ESPN reporting, the, the the guy they're looking at. Now, have you, have you heard this part of the story? No. Okay, the guy that they're looking at who may be at fault here is a guy by the name of Connor Stallions, which is just an awesome name. He is a football analyst, but he's also a retired captain in the United States Marine Corps. 
Okay, this so is this awesome. guy is this a marine. Is so Harbaugh. It's so it's so college football, and it's so freaking Harbaugh. Uh, so Connor Stallions, they took his computer and everything. His entire job they is to say ste- they took his purple heart or something away. <laughs> Jeez, his, his entire his entire job is to steal signs. Now Clemson and Dabo Sweeney, they've been the one that right. people Notre you know, Dame have did a full to- game of we're going to huddle uh-huh. because now, Clemson steals yeah, our signs. Well, okay, so exactly, I wanted to go to that. In college football, I was telling Sam before the show, you know you can't huddle. You don't have to have 38 assistants doing all sort of sorts of gyrations, and then you put up a board that has, you know, Biden's face, Trump's face, SpongeBob, yeah. and a piece of pizza. Yeah, Beyonce. Yeah, Beyonce. So, you know, you can't get in a huddle like football, and, uh, you know, that's one way you don't have your See, signs I, stolen. I'm a little disappointed that there's an actual person, and the person is not Tom Crane. I was really hoping that John Har- or excuse me, Jim Harbaugh had his brother-in-law, Tom Crean, in section 620 at Lucas Oil Stadium when IU played Louisville, and there's Tom with his binoculars and notepad out just feverishly writing down what signals the it's Indiana like, players well, are doing on the sideline. Like, That's why they won 52-7 yeah, to seven last yeah. week. It's like, why is Tom Crean at the, you know, like two weeks ago they played Minnesota? Why Why did Tom Crean, you know, three weeks ago, why was he at a Minnesota football game? Oh, he's just rowing well, the boat. Why, why, why is he at a Maryland football game? Why? Is that because they play them in four weekends? What's going on here? Why is Tom Crean I'm doing this? I'm disappointed that that's not the real story. You think Harbaugh will be in the NFL? I mean, because, I mean, the smoke. Boy, they want to get Harbaugh better, so bad. Better the NCAA. chance. Urban Meyer coaches another NFL game or Jeff Saturday coaches another NFL game? <laughs> Urban Meyer. <laughs> Come on, Saturday. What what Ursay did last year, that ain't going to happen again. Like, that, like that's just not going to happen again. Unless someone's like, we want to hire Dan Orlovsky. Did you see the Ursay <laughs> video from last night, by the way? No, I didn't. Oh, man. Do I need to see I, it? We, we might need to play that. Oh, let, me, let me ask you this. He's talking about spirits talking to him. <laughs> okay, this is my guy. You know I love Ursay. Would you rather have if... Okay, let me... Two questions. Number one, would you ever be a hardball guy with the Colts if I mean, like I like Steichen. Yeah, I, like, I, I think I was, Steichen's good. I, I Did you care about him? I was not on the Harbaugh okay. train last January. Uh, okay, if you're an NFL team, would you rather bring in Harbaugh to run your organization or Bill Belichick? How old is Bill? I mean, he's got to be pushing. He's got to be pushing seventy. Yeah. Is he not? I, Harbaugh just wears me out, man. He just wears me out. <laughs> And I don't know. Maybe the NFL. It's the, you know. I guess he's college. Seven, yeah, Belichick's seventy-one. Is he really? So I mean, God, if he's gone, towards if he's gone, let's pretend like the Colts are down and they don't have a coach. Let's pretend last year happened this year, okay? And it's no Steichen, and it's no AR, and it's like, and we were talking about, would you rather? I mean, this could be something we would actually talk about. Would you rather have Harbaugh or Belichick run your organization? God, thank the Lord, we're not there anymore. <laughs> All right, Tucker Barnhart next. All right, talk some baseball. We'll get back to the Colts discussion. Reminder, Matt Taylor going to join us top of the 9 o'clock hour. We'll talk with him getting you ready for Colts and Browns. All that pregame coverage on Sunday beginning at 9 a.m. Reminder, we are your home NLCS, ALCS World Series right here on the fan. And let's head on out to the Payless Liquors hotline. Tucker Barnhart joins us here on the program. Tucker, good morning. How are you today, sir? Good morning, guys. I'm good. Sitting uh, out at the golf course, getting ready to see you off here in a little bit. And uh, 
Just enjoying a little bit of the offseason. Were, were, nice. were you officiating a wrestling match th- this morning? It's all your texts. There's always a wrestling match going on at my house. We've got two boys three years apart when the three-year-old is uh, as stubborn as they get and wants to be like his older brother. It turns into a wrestling match more times than it doesn't. I'm just picturing you, you know, yelling, two! I, I, all the wrestling matches that I would go to, you know, they'd just be screaming two for a takedown, and the three-year-old gets the six-year-old. with the line of being a referee and then making sure nobody kills themselves or busts their head open or no ER visits are necessary. Fine line, to say the least. Tucker Barnhart, obviously you hear you hear him a lot on, on our airwaves. He joins us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Uh, pretty entertaining from a playoff standpoint, certainly with these series starting to get a little bit more competitive. Uh, what have you made over, I guess, all of the uh, parody, if you will, with this postseason of all the Hunterwood teams bowing out, and now it looks like both the ALCS and NLCS could be going six or seven. Definitely, I think it's. I think to to hit your first point about it being entertaining, it's been awesome to watch. Um, it, the the parody, I think, in the game uh, with the youth of uh, of a team like the Diamondbacks and the speed and the defense that they play, um, I think it brings a a different kind of flavor to the game that that we haven't seen in a little bit. Uh, with the with the home run being the thing and exit velocity and all of that that, that stuff um, in terms of, of of pitchers and arms and everything they're kind of playing an older school type of baseball stealing bases playing really good defense and keeping themselves in the game and then the team that they're playing right now uh, in the Phillies who are just kind of slug have slugged their way to uh, to where they're at now I mean they got kind of stymied last night a little bit but uh, they're on fire right now offensively. Um, I think you, you see that for sure. Um, the interesting, one of the interesting things to me uh, that I've seen kind of throughout here is how n- not no home team really has been able to hold serve. I mean, you watched you watched the Rangers go into Baltimore and beat them there. You watched the Rangers in the first series uh, in the wild card round go into Tampa and beat them in Tampa. Um, the Dodgers go into LA and they beat the Dodgers. They take two uh, two um, two games there. Um, the Phillies go into Atlanta and, and beat them there. It's just been it's been interesting to watch. It's been exciting to watch. Um, and I think, like you said, these these next two uh, or these last two series heading into the World Series, uh, I think, are looking like they're headed into six or seven games. And uh, that's the most fun uh, baseball to watch, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, Tucker, you mentioned road teams winning, and nothing you know has held more true than in that Astros Rangers series. How does that happen? where the road team wins. Is there any common denominator or is that just baseball? I think it's a little bit of, I, I think it's just baseball. Uh, I mean, I think the old, one of the oldest cliches in the book that, that you hear kind of throughout clubhouses or in baseball media is that you play 162 for a reason. Um, and I think, and, and usually um, all most series or most playoff or postseason runs um, in the regular season come down to the last week of the year. I mean, you always hear about, got a team being a half game back or one game back with one game to play or whatever, whatever the case may be. And it's just incredible. It's incredible to see that you play 162 games and the last game of the season is what ends up call- like deciding your fate uh, as, as a team. And so I think that it's a little bit of it just being baseball. And then I think there's also an element of, Hey, it's kind of us against the world mindset, especially, um, especially a team when you're down when you're coming in and you're maybe you're not supposed to win a series or a young you're a young team like the Diamondbacks going into LA and you you really kind of play with your hair on fire and you don't really know what you're not supposed to know kind of way or kind of thing 
So I think it's a little bit of, of both of those things. I think it's like kind of trying to blow down the wall of what you're expected to do, and then it. I think it's just being baseball. I think has a lot to do with it too. Again, Tucker Barnhart's with us. Just wrapped up year ten in Major League Baseball. Obviously, the Brownsburg product, and he's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Tucker, when we chatted back in April, right before the season started. Um, you had just wrapped up, of course, spring training, and I think at that point you were a pretty big fan of the rule changes and just you know how it kind of played out during spring training, going through a season with it. Uh, you good with all of them? Good with some of them? What were your thoughts after playing a season? Yeah, I think all of the ones that have been instituted in the, at the major league level, I think I'm, I'm a major fan of. Um, I I think it speeds the game up, and I, I've held firm. And anybody that asks me a question about kind of pace of play or time or anything like that. There's nobody's out there that's in uniform that's on the field that's trying to play a slow game. It's just kind of it, it happens. I mean, there's a to my earlier point about it coming down to one game at the end of a 162-game season, you know that going in, and, and you know how important every single pitch is of every game. It may not look like it at times, uh, but it, it, it's obviously talked about and known throughout, throughout uh, the baseball world. And so it, sometimes longer games happen, but but I think the the pitch clock did what they set out uh, for it to do. It, it sped the game up, uh, and, and I think it sped the game up without us players knowing. And and I think that's the biggest thing. It's like if you can add if you can add rule changes or you can make the game better without anybody that that's played the game forever really noticing um, when it's all said and done, and when you get kind of when you kind of get the newness off of it. Um, I think that that that's awesome, and I, I'm a I was a big fan of all of those rules. I was in a unique position uh, because the way kind of my season ended up having to go, going down to the minor leagues a little bit. I saw the electronic strike zone um, and what they are anticipating um, that being if it ever if and when it ever gets to the major league level, and and I don't know that that's got a little bit of uh, some things to work out in my opinion. So we'll see uh, how it's adopted if it's adopted. Um, and and kind of go from there, but that uh, that was a unique unique uh, look at at what the powers that be kind of deem the strike zone to be. By the way, just as a follow up, and then KB, sorry to interrupt. I mean, they shaved about anywhere between thirty and forty minutes off the games in two thousand twenty three. This past season, Tucker games were two hours on average, two hours and fifty nine minutes. I mean, you go back to two thousand eighteen, they were three hours and thirty five. Two thousand nineteen, three hours and thirty four. Um, I mean, two thousand twenty one, three hours and thirty seven minutes, and it shaved down to under three hours, two hours and fifty nine minutes. That's a uh, that's I mean, that's a lot of time. That's a lot of time right. if you're watching a baseball game. It's huge, and I, I think in today's day and age, when it's give me my give me my enjoyment as quickly as I possibly can from a fan's perspective, I think you're going to draw in younger people. You're going to people are going to kind of stay for the whole thing um, when they when they tune in or when they're at a game versus like okay, I'm getting to the point where I feel like I'm watching paint dry, and let's go find something else to do. So I'm, a, I'm like I said, I was a, I was a big fan of it. Um, I just. I hope it stops there. I think <laughs> in terms of a clock piece uh, of things, but uh, but yeah, I was a big fan of it. Tucker, always appreciate your time. And you brought up um, you know, ending the year in the minor leagues in Oklahoma City, moving on to the Dodgers at the uh, in in August. There, um, why don't you think things worked out in Chicago like like you were hoping for? I'm not sure. I just think it was a direction that the that the team kind of felt like it was was headed and. Um, 
Miguel Amayo is a younger catcher that 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 um, they view as as a part of their future. And and I've been that guy before. I was that guy in Cincinnati. And and you you want your your time, and you you you've earned your time. And he did the, he did that. And um, I, I have no ill feelings towards the Cubs. Um, I, I wish they would have made the postseason. Obviously, I have a lot of friends over there still that I still talk to the fantasy football league that we're still in, that we all talk on the daily basis about how bad our trade offers are. Um, we got all of that. Uh, we've got all of that still going on. Um, I appreciated my time in Chicago. I've always loved playing in Chicago and playing at Wrigley as a cub, uh, as a, as a home player was one of the coolest experiences I've had in my career. I mean, you go in there, uh, as a visiting player and you, it's a difficult place to play, whether it be traveling in, from a Thursday night game and having to play a Friday day game, which is the only place in the big leagues that you do that, um, having to kind of figure that whole that whole thing out, or um, just the environment and the, the, the fans at Wrigley bring. Um, it's a tough place to play, but having that be on your side um, and uh, enjoying the friendly confines uh, as a home player was, uh, was really, really cool. Do you know yet what 2024 looks like for you? Um, I'll be a free agent. Um, the uh, based on the way that my contract was um, negotiated and, and agreed upon, um, I have one more year, um, uh, for lack of a better term, on the Cubs' dime. Um, so I will. The way that the contracts work in the big leagues is that um, I'll be a free agent, and then any team that wants to uh, to sign me will have the ability to do so, and they have to play uh, pay me the league minimum, and then the Cubs. Uh, are on the hook for the, for whatever else um, was is left. So I'll be a free agent. I don't know exactly what uh, that looks like in terms of um, in terms of teams or negotiations or anything like that because I'm, I'm not technically a free agent until after the World Series. Um, however, I had a great time in in LA um, in that organization. I think they do a phenomenal job uh, with their with their younger players and with their communication. Um, so if, if that ends up happening, that would be awesome. I wouldn't be mad about that at all, um, but we'll see. Again, Tucker Barnhart is with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. We'll round it out with this. You're battling the elements this morning on the golf course after the officiating of the wrestling match. Uh, I assume some Pacers and potentially a Colts game or two will be on the offseason agenda. Uh, anything else you're looking forward to here in the offseason? Yeah, I think well, my wife and I are going to try to make it out to opening night, uh, babysitter dependent. Uh, we'll see if we can find one. But, um, <laughs> you know, I'm looking forward to being a dad and uh, and constantly staring at my fantasy football teams and figuring out how I drafted <laughs> as poorly as I did. So, <laughs> How many leagues are you in? I was going to say hand raised right there. How many leagues are you in, by the way? Man, I'm in four. Uh, so, every, so every time there's a touchdown being scored, it's probably helping you and hurting you all at one time. I mean, no truer words have been spoken. <laughs> I've been in, I'm in, a, I'm in a, like a dynasty league that, oh, yeah. uh, that I've that I've been in for, I think it's like seven years now. Oh, yeah. It's a bunch of guys that I play with in the minor leagues. Um, that we're all kind of go. We've been in it, man. It's been a long time. Uh, so that's we've been in that one for a long time. I have one with my agency, um, and then I have one every year, depending on where I'm at. Uh, our clubhouse always has a league, so that's the three. And then I got roped into a hometown a hometown league uh, that I don't typically do this uh, this season too. So it's typically three, but it's four this year. As long as you're not in a league with Tommy Fam, boy, that's a couple years uh, old <laughs> reference. If you remember that, do you remember that KB? Oh, the yeah. Jock Peterson uh-huh. and Tommy yep. Fam beef before yeah. a game because of a bad trade. How about that? Yeah, that's <laughs> Play with a lot of guys that have been in that league, so it's uh, it's it's uh, it's 
to the death. That's for sure. Yeah, I, I was going to say, <laughs> it seems like probably it. reminiscent of the six and three year old wrestling a little bit here. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Tucker, hit him well today. Hopefully, see you uh, Wednesday night as the Pacers get their season underway. And uh, thanks for the time, man. You got it, guys. Anytime. I appreciate y'all. That is Tucker Barnhart right there on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Again, a 10 year run. For him, we will see what is in store year 11, and he is certainly a big, big Pacer and Colts fan, so uh, we'll be taking in that action here on the horizon. All right, voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor. He joins us in 10. Yeah, I was Googling. uh, Appreciate Tucker Barnhart coming on. Matt Taylor here in just a second. I was Googling. I was trying to remember... I knew Jock Peterson was the one that got slapped over that. I couldn't remember the player that slapped him. It was Tommy Pham over a fantasy football trade. That was, what, a couple years ago? Major leaguers smacking each other over a fantasy football trade. Now, I Fantastic. Kinda, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't I slap you last week in fantasy? <laughs> Oh, did you? Well, we how, why have we not talked about that? Nothing like the. Uh, oh, did you? Did you? Uh, well, you let me go back. Well. Let me look. On Hang now. on. I had a good weekend last weekend, which is I rare. It's been a bad weekend. Many fantasy football wins. So I've got to celebrate mine when they come. It's you know, been a trying year. Uh, but yes, thank you to Tucker Barnhart. Thank you to Greg Gregstraw earlier. Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, oh, going to yeah, join you, us. You did your mayo plop. Well, I had Justin Fields go out. No wonder in the second quarter. Otherwise, I would it would have been pretty close. Is Justin Fields a Ugh. good fantasy quarterback? I guess he runs a little. Oh, but... no, he runs a lot. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he absolutely is. Now, the new guy, was it Bagnet who's starting? Yeah, he's a D2 guy for the Bears, Yeah, have you right? followed this guy at all? Like, well, he's a total I, bro dude who, like, arm wrestles and stuff. The reason why I followed it was because P.J. Walker, the Colts starter on Sunday, was supposed to, or excuse me, the Browns starter in all likelihood, unless Deshaun Watson somehow plays, um, he was so bad in the preseason during the joint practice with the Colts, even that preseason game with the Colts, he lost the backup job. He was supposed to be sure. the backup to Justin Field, so this guy is the backup. And that's why earlier I asked that in all seriousness with Watson's injury to you, I mean, would you rather face an injured Watson I or know. P.J. Walker? I, I, I know. I'm not sure. And, and I'm not, I don't know per- how much it matters. It's the particular injury with Watson. I mean, he's talking about a rotator cuff that has a tear in it, and he has questions about his ability to drive the football. To me, if I'm a defensive coordinator and I hear that, I'd be foaming at the mouth and saying, all right, let's design something that forces him to throw balls outside the number, to throw balls down the field. So I know Watson obviously has the better resume, but I I find that to be at least a debatable question. Yeah. Whereas I know you know normally you'd say obviously you'd rather face Walker than Watson. Yeah, I mean what Walker was just he he, he was bad last he, he week. Was, Andy. He was bad last week. They overcame week. him last I, week. I know he was running out the field, raising his hand in the air like he was Joe Namath putting up the number one <laughs> running out the field. I'm like you know that was the defense right that did that the running game in the defense like you understand that was the case seriously. <laughs> So uh, we'll talk about all this coming up on the other side. Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, next. Yeah, it should be a great weekend. Look like uh, good, uh, some good high school football weather tonight, Saturday and Sunday. Should be a very nice, what, Saturday in the 70s. So cannot wait for a big weekend. And, of course, Sunday, the big game, Browns and Colts at Lucas Oil. All the pregame coverage at 9 a.m. And then the man on the call, Matt Taylor, and he joins us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline on this Football Friday on the Fan Mayday. Good morning. How are you today, sir? I'm doing well. Good morning to you guys. 
Man, I can't wait. Uh, it's a big one at Lucas Oil on Sunday. We'll get to the Browns. I, I guess, you know, we've just, there's so much that has happened, whether it be uh, the disappointing game in Jacksonville. Uh, I want to talk with you about Minchu as this becomes his team. Obviously, Grover Stewart and then the Anthony Richardson news is something we've talked about all week. I guess, I, I feel like I'm going to know your answer, Mayte, but how much of a bummer was that when that news came out? What was it, Tuesday, Wednesday, that they are going to have? Have surgery here within the next week to ten days, and would miss the remainder of the season. Yeah, I mean on the on the drag meter, it's it's pretty high, man. I mean, considering how yeah. how, how funny was to watch and uh, what this season meant not only for the team's success but his development and uh, trying to get him up to speed in the NFL. Just the fact that he's going to you know miss over thirteen games uh, in his rookie season, it, it's certainly not ideal, but. You know, like I said last week, I, I'm more worried about the shoulder. I'm more worried about his physical uh, bounce back, and um, more just more worried about the mechanics of that of that shoulder and, and the muscles inside of it than I am um, this stunting his growth because he was just, I think, further along than we all you know thought. You know, we talked about that last week, but you know, it's, it's cheesy metaphor, but it's the one I've been using all week. You know, this week with the loss to Jacksonville. You know, losing out on a chance to go into first place uh, with that game, and then them winning last night, and then you know the Richardson news, the Grover Stewart news this week. It just feels like that shoe has come untied a little bit. You know, you had a little bit of momentum. You know, the the laces were tied up pretty good after that Tennessee game. You know, you're feeling really, really good. You got the monkey off your back into that streak the Titans had on you. Then you come back, you lose a really important game in terms of the ramifications of it. Right, all that was on the line in the AFC South. Even though it was a week six game, that game still had some some consequences, if you will. And then the off the field news this week, it just it just seems like that shoe has come untied a little bit. And now the Colts this week have to go back to work, uh, you know, get a new you know set of lo- uh, shoelaces and mm-hmm. uh, get ready for for eleven games here because there's still everything in front of this team. There's still eleven games left. They can still win the AFC South. They can still make the playoffs. But it has to start in terms of a regroup of mindset this week, knowing it's going to get more difficult. But that's life in the NFL. Every team deals with it. And now the Colts have their adversity, and they know what's in front of them. They just got to go get it, get it done. Boy, I'll be honest. I did not have the shoelace analogy on the Matt Taylor <laughs> bingo card. There's nothing. What did, you, what did it, you think, though? I mean, on, on the cheese I, scale, where, where is that? I, where first off, I, I thought it was outstanding. <laughs> Secondly, I, I assume we're learning how to tie shoes in the Taylor household based, based off that? That might be part of it. Yeah, okay. that, might be, that might be top of mind. That, that right. might be why it's, why it's there. But, you know, to, to – to, to me, in the layman's terms, man, that's what it's all about. It makes sense in my head. Uh, Got that shoe a little bit. Okay, beautiful so so I'm gonna need, I'm, yeah, I'm gonna need to know this. Like, is there a song? Wasn't there like a song that went along with tying the shoe? Like, how do you how do you teach tying the shoe? It, it, I my, guess I was just a loop, swoop, and pull guy. Okay. I was gonna say I've my, my knots have never been very strong keep, from a keep it tying simple. standpoint. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> keep, keep it simple. Bunny ears, is that right? Don't you, yeah, I think there was something with bunny ears. Or just wear Crocs. Just give the that. kids some oh, hey yeah, dudes. Crocs. How about that? You could, you could rock some my Crocs. Kid, Andy, my kids are not wearing Crocs. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, not, Andy Sweeney's had some there. Crocs, I'm, right? I'm, I'm wearing Crocs right now. Crocs Are Are you cro- wearing Crocs in this weather? Uh, you damn right I am. Oh, he is. We got socks in them. Yeah, well, you know, it's 50 degrees out. Oh boy. Colts are going to need to be tougher than Andy Sweeney on Sunday with the socks inside the Crocs. A voice of the Colts. There's an understatement. Matt Taylor <laughs> joins us here on this Friday morning. May Taylor shift over to the other big news item of the week, and that is the loss of Grover Stewart. I don't need to remind you, but for our listening audience, 
first game uh, that Grover's missed in five years. You know, since the trade of DeForest Buckner happened, this duo has been on the field for every game but one. That was a COVID game back in 2020. So life without Grover is foreign life for the Colts. This is not like they have had to deal with this really at all. Um, give us some of the names you would – I've kind of pinpointed two names. Give us some of the names you expect and the ramifications of losing uh, Big Grow for six weeks. Yeah, I mean, if you're making a list of, of top five, you know, most indispensable Colts just because of how difficult they they are to replace, I mean, Grover Stewart's pretty high on that list. And to your point, I think it's 69 consecutive starts for Grover. Um, he's really been a mainstay for this team since 2017. It's It's just really – he does all the dirty work, you know. He's the guy that's, you know. There's not a lot of Grover Stewart, you know, posters on the on the walls of kids probably around town. But I mean, you, you talk to all of these coaches and all of these, you know, fellow broadcasters, if you will, and and the, and the guys that that always come up to me before a game that they, they, they say the Colts uh, or the other team has to stop, you know, defensively. It's Grover Stewart because of just all the stuff he does to muddy up, you know, the inside of the running game, and it's. It's really difficult, um, you know, the, the, the task the Colts have now. But those names you're talking about, Taven Bryan, uh, Adetamawa, Adabare, and Eric Johnson the second. Eric Johnson the second is probably the closest thing to a true, you know, backup nose tackle that the Colts have. Taven Bryan can play nose tackle, but he's probably more suited to be the backup three technique behind DeForest Buckner. So it's 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 less than ideal the situation that the Colts are in. It's kind of all hands on deck. It's going to take a, a team effort to uh, match that production from Grover Stewart or at least not have a major letdown uh, against the run. And to your point, I mean, one of those games, you know, DeForest Buckner wasn't technically lost for the game, but he was on a major pitch count a couple of weeks ago against the Rams and wasn't out there on first and second down. And the Rams, not known as a, a rushing team, they ran for a buck 46 against the Colts and really kind of balanced out their offense, a complement of that passing game from Matthew Stafford. Um, so I, w- I would say it's more Eric Johnson than it is Taven Bryan, but the, the true hallmarks or the true principles of this defense is to get upfield, and, you know, Grover could do both. Grover had speed and power, so he was the, the perfect blend to, to stop the run up front. But Taven Bryan's more known as a, a speed guy, kind of disrupt things in the offensive backfield. I think Eric Johnson is, is probably a speed guy, too, has a little bit more power, obviously, than Taven Bryan. But that's what the Colts want to do is they want to penetrate gaps. They want to get in the offensive backfield as quickly as possible. It's a big reason why they lead the NFL in tackles for loss with 39 of them, and they got a bunch of sacks, too, from a lot of different players, including those backup interior defensive linemen. So Grover's loss is going to be felt. There's no doubt about that, but it's next man up. And, you know, you, you can't cry about it. You've got to figure out a plan, and I think it's going to be a combination of just about everybody you have at your disposal there between Brian, Johnson, Adebare. Maybe you kick some of those hybrid guys inside based on the down and distance, you know, Taekwon Lewis, um, Dio Adangbo. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly a tall order here for the Colts, and we'll see – you know, what the best plan of attack is for them coming up on Sunday. Matt Taylor with us here on the Wake Up Call on the fan. He's on the Pay Less Liquors hotline. Mate, uh, you know, we talked last week before the Jacksonville game. The one thing you felt good about was Gardner Minshew not being volatile, right? Being a backup quarterback that didn't make mistakes that took you out of games, and he was not good in Jacksonville. How much of that do you contribute to he was just jacked up to be playing Jacksonville, and no doubt the Jags are playing much better football we saw that again last week and last night and I guess do you expect Gardner to be 
you know, back to more of who he is on Sunday against the Browns. Yeah, I, I think that's going to be the case. I think hopefully here in about five, six weeks, we look back on that Jacksonville game and say, you know, that was just kind of the blip on the radar. And, you know, true to form in his career, I mean, prior to Sunday, his touchdown-interception ratio was like 3-1. to one. I mean, it was historically good. And, you know, he had never suffered a three-interception game. You go back and look at the picks in those game, in that game last Sunday, I mean, they're just high, errant throws, you know, throws that he traditionally just dials in for first downs and takes what the defense gives him. So maybe, yeah, maybe it is kind of fair to say maybe human nature got the best of him. Maybe he was jacked up. Maybe he was a little more, you know, amped up going back and playing his former team in Jacksonville, right, the place that he got his start. Um, you know, I think that's only a question that, that he can answer. But, um, you know, I, I think, you know, Gardner Minshew, you know, in his career has not showed to you know, be the quarterback that makes those mental mistakes, that makes those or misses those easy throws for, you know, completions and first downs. He's a, you know, a typical quarterback that, you know, takes what the defense gives him. He's really, really good at um, converting inside the zones. Um, but obviously, you know, Jacksonville didn't play a ton of zone last week. They played a lot of press man-man within that base defense. And I suspect the Colts are going to see that a lot the remainder of the season. Now, this Sunday, I don't know, because Cleveland, they run their stuff, and they run it really, really right. good. They, they sort of just uh, encapsulate you know, the beauty of rush and cover. They've got really, really good players up front and really, really good players in the back end and the secondary. And they're going to do press man-to-man as well on the outside. That's why it's incumbent on these receivers for the Colts to give Gardner Minshew a chance, have somewhere to go with the football. And I've said all week, you know, you got to get free release off the line of scrimmage. And if you can't do that, you know, with Michael Pittman Jr. and Alec Pierce just just winning their matchups against really good players like, you know, Newsom and Emerson and Denzel Ward, then you got to scheme it up, right? Stacks and bunches, uh, maybe go in motion, have the formation get you open a little bit. You know, that's a lot what the Rams did, you know, a couple of weeks ago. It's what they do under Sean McVay. So you got to do it some uh, some form, some fashion in this game. And it's it's really imperative for everybody else to help Gardner Minshew because, you know, this offensive line's playing well, but it's more of a tip of the cap to that defensive line and those pass rushers from the from the Browns. You know, inevitably Minshew's not going to have all day to throw the football. He's going to have, he's going to need to have some some quick throwing lanes and some open receivers early in the down to have success. Again, Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, is with us. Our coverage at 9 a.m. Back to back home games here for the Colts coming up. Browns and Saints. Obviously, it'll be Matt, Rick Venturi, and Larry Overton on the call here in Week Seven. Matt, I was talking about it earlier in the show. I think it's just paramount. You find an outside-of-the-box way to score slash set up a short field. Is that special teams? Is that you know the Josh Allen, Gardner Minshew strip? Is that something you can dial up potentially against a third-string quarterback? And I say that because, again, I think the, the Browns' defense is as impressive as I've seen really in quite some time. What has stood out to you the most in looking at this Browns' defense? Well, it's it's so impressive, and it's it's not you – know, you ask everybody. You ask Rick Venturi, you ask Shane Steichen, you ask the quarterbacks, you ask Sam Ellinger. You ask them, like, why, why are they so good? And they really don't have an answer other than just to say they're really good at doing what they do. And that just sort of goes back to what I talked about. They're not overly complicated, right? They're not, like, running some – weird defense that somebody invented in the offseason. They, they just have really good players executing the scheme under Jim Schwartz. It, it just sort of boils down to that. And the, the most impressive thing to me, at least statistically, is, and I think you've talked about it earlier this week, Kevin, is just 
they're, they're forcing teams to punt a boatload, and that point total is down around 15 points per game. And they're doing all of that without forcing takeaways. They only have four takeaways on the season. They rank 31st in the NFL in takeaways. That really doesn't jive with having the best defense in the NFL. You think one kind of goes along with the other, which I think makes their defense even more impressive that the point total is that low and you know the yard total is that low, and they're just playing defense straight up without you know forcing those takeaways. Another thing that's crazy to me is they've got a 39% three-and-out rate, which is by far number one in the NFL. And I talked about the point total, giving up only about 15 points per game. That actually should be a lot better if they had a, a better offense. If the offense for the Browns helped their defense – you know, their defense would be even more otherworldly, if you will, because about 47% of the points that they have allowed this season have come off of offensive turnovers by the Browns. And the Browns are turning it over a lot this season. And that, you know, stems from their lack of quarterback, um, you know, consistency. They've used three different quarterbacks this year. So they're just a really, really good defense. They don't give up red zone drives. They don't give up first downs. So I think your idea there to, to score in another creative way uh, and get a, a cheap you know, three points or a cheap touchdown either on special teams or defense, that would be monstrous in a game like this. All right, Matt, it is the 10-year anniversary of Peyton Manning's return to Lucas Oil Stadium. Uh, you were on the sideline that, that night, is that right? I was, yeah, yep. Yep. Any vivid memories from that? We were talking earlier with Greg Rakestraw. I think the Mathis strip sack to me is one of the loudest moments I've ever heard Lucas Oil Stadium. Yep. Uh, Just a crazy game. I was looking back on it last night. I forgot how back and forth and wild turnovers and McAfee had the big hit on Trendon Holiday, all that (laughs) stuff. So uh, any vivid memories from that one? Yeah, I got a lot of memories. Uh, It was, you know, first – First first year on the sidelines, and it was a Sunday night game. I remember the weather was just absolutely beautiful. Uh, obviously, this time of year, you know, it was like 70 degrees on a Sunday night. The roof was open. Peyton's return, they, they had the great tribute video. I know they spent internally, they spent like, they had like 17 different revisions of that <laughs> video. Because <laughs> they had to get it, you know, just right, just timed up, you know, well, and have all the, the the different and appropriate people, you know, with their um, uh, tributes to, to Peyton in that video. So, um, you know, they, they did him justice that night. I remember the pregame ceremony, you know, with him, you know, kind of patting his chest and the shoulder pads, uh, you know, in his appreciation for his time in Indianapolis. And then the game itself, you're right, it was nuts. And then the Robert Mathis strip sack um, in the end zone. The only other time I remember Lucas Oil Stadium being louder uh, was the comeback Kansas City game uh, in the playoffs? Other than that, that was that was a pretty epic moment for Robert Mathis to finally get his shot on Peyton Manning, not wearing that red jersey in practice. He talked about talked about it all week, and he finally he got his chance, and he didn't miss. And that was a a monster play in that game for the Colts. And um, you know the the young guy Andrew Luck kind of kind of beat the old guy in Peyton Manning, but. Um, yeah, that was that was definitely a memorable night. Yeah, an absolutely iconic night, to say the least, inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. All right, again, Colts and Browns coming up week seven. That is Matt Taylor right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Matt, enjoy the weekend at home, and as always, man, thanks for the Friday chats. Yeah, my pleasure, guys. You guys do the same. Matt 
Taylor, voice of the Colts, right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. And we talked about this a little bit earlier with Greg Gregstraw. Andy, it is pretty amazing to me when you look at the Browns, all of the local connections. You know, Dewan Jones, the Ben Davis product, starting at right tackle. David Bell, uh, obviously the Warren Central, you know, and both these guys, incredible dual threat <laughs> high schoolers. Um, David Bell is kind of a rotational wideout for them, not playing a ton, but it's certainly getting some snaps for them offensively. And then former Colts, Anthony Walker, uh, had a nice run here as a linebacker, mm-hmm. a little iffy in concussion protocol this week. He did practice yesterday, though, uh, so we'll see about his status. Obviously, you know, really good friends with Shaquille Leonard and Zaire Franklin and those guys. Uh, Bubba Ventrone, their special teams coordinator, of course, was one of the many candidates to be the head coach here for the Colts last offseason. Uh, Rodney McLeod, veteran safety, played a big role for the Colts last year. So a lot of local flavor to this one, not to mention it, of course, is a big game. I feel like, as a prediction, I feel like Jonathan Taylor scoring on Sunday. Okay. How's that? Just to take a left turn. Sure. I'm looking at it. We even talked about how many reps he's going to get. What would the touchdown prop look like? Uh, Are you looking at that? Anytime but, touchdown. N- no, score? I'm not. But I'm all. But I am looking at Zach uh, Zach Moss over 35 and a half for rushing yards for Zach for Moss? rushing yards. Yeah. Now I I, I, I know who the defense the, is. Let's go back to the question you just asked. Yeah. So week one, ten snaps yes. for Jonathan Taylor. Zach Moss got whatever it was, 50-something. Week two, mm-hmm. that number became much, much closer to 50-50. If yes, you look it at the, the amount of touches each of them had, I think they both finished the game with 13 touches apiece. So that was obviously a 50-50 split. Zach Moss started in Jacksonville. He played uh, in the game 39 snaps. Jonathan Taylor played 33 snaps. Uh, Trey Sermon actually played the final seven snaps of the game as that one was obviously uh, over at that point. Do you expect that number to continue to climb? Are we now I, to I where do. Taylor's yeah. 70-30, 80-20? I was going to say 65-35, something like that. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Like, Zach Moss, does he... Okay, two things with Moss and Taylor. And with all the news, we haven't talked about this. A, when does Taylor take the starting job? Now, not that it totally matters. Again, right. you don't have to start or get the first series even to have the most attempts, have the most rushes, catches, whatever it is. And then when they got to the goal line, they went with Moss. Do they always go with Moss? Those are, to me, the two questions. So I'm I, my gamble here would be Taylor, if they get first and goal at the four-yard line, second and goal, whatever it may be, this time they give Taylor or try to get Taylor the touchdown. Last week they got Moss the touchdown. And you know, I would like to see them in the backfield together. Um, I, I'd like to see them in huddles together. Listen, I agree with you. Because I thought something that Moss has shown this season, Andy, capable receiver. 100%. And that is not something he did 100%. at Buffalo. Much more of a traditional first and second down guy. He has been a – and honestly, capable is probably not giving him enough credit. He, he's been a pretty good receiver for you. Look at the play that Taylor made last week. You know, talk about a time you needed to inject some life into your offense. Boom. You know, crossing route, and, and all of a sudden Taylor's off the races for, you know, 40-yard gain when they really, really needed it. Of course, Minshew throws a pick, whatever, three or four plays later. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, but I would like to see those two involved together, especially, you know, okay, if Kylan Grant is out of the lineup, we'll see how Alec Pierce looks today, if he can give it a go. you got to find other ways to try and ignite your offense, short yardage. Again, putting those two in the backfield together, but 
Um, I would say a Jonathan Taylor touchdown. I'm gonna. I'm That's gonna not look the up, craziest thing. I'm, I'm gonna yeah, look I'm, up the anytime touchdown. I was, try, for I was trying to find it on on DraftKings, and there's just so many numbers. I can't like. You know, we've talked about it. There's. We still need to make our picks. By uh, yeah, I know. There's so many. There's so many down stories with the Colts right now. I and mean, this last week has been, ah, the Colts are being the Colts, back to the same old thing. I, that's why the importance of this game to stop the bleeding and the feel-good. There is something about having feel-good around a team. And if they go out there and they lose 16-3 to on Sunday, uh, that's going to be Minshew back-to-back rough games. And I know we can say, well, the Browns' defense is historically great. And then the week before, uh, you know, it was in his head going back to Jacksonville and everything like that. But, like, it's time. You have two guys who right now this season are are top shelf running backs. Zach Moss has had a great year, and Jonathan Taylor has had, what, three weeks now to get his footing. He is a healthy player. We saw the uptick last week. Like, to me, to me, this is a... This is Shane Steichen game. How, how, where can he find points doing right. something that might be different to a Browns defense that is great? I mean, if Minshew goes out there and throws three picks, it's not going to matter. There's nothing Steichen can do. Scheme. You're going to have to scheme yeah. up some things. You're yeah, to, yeah. This you, you is know, a game where, again, where do you lean towards offensive strengths? Moss and Taylor. Yeah, Steichen, I think, would be honestly probably next on that list there because this has just been such a stout defense. And I thought Matt Taylor made an interesting point about the Browns. It's not like they scare you from an exotic nature. They don't really, they're not overly complicated pre-snap. They're just, they just line up and they say, we'll probably play a good amount of man coverage and we're just going to come at you with our 11 and more often than not, we're going to beat you up. Yeah. And that's what they've been. So again, how can Steichen find some creative ways to get others involved and, you know, I said it to lead off the show, and I mean it in all seriousness. It's the puberty game. <laughs> what if it's not? What if it's 31-28? <laughs> it's a game. We're not. We're, there's no five, way. Five, six right? touchdowns. I, there's I, no way. I, mean, I don't think, think there's a way. Re, kick and punt returns. No, I mean, I don't think there's I don't think there's a way. No, I have not seen. First one to 13 I, wins. KB, I haven't seen one prediction. And maybe somebody at the station, uh, when it gets posted at some point today, will have it. I haven't seen one prediction of this game hitting the over at 40 and a half. Not one. Speaking Not of over, one. shout out to Jason Hammer. This time yesterday, he was about to give you two picks for Thursday night football. One was the over and the total of points in the game. That certainly hit. And one was Derek Carr passing over. <laughs> Even with Carr doing like the Taysom Hill thing, where Taysom Hill, you know, obviously comes into the game mm-hmm. for a few times. Carr obliterated that over under on pass attempts. Uh, I think it was 40. He was in the 40s. And uh, that over under was 32 and a half. So shout out to Jason Hammer for well, that. Well, it's something we there. need to remember next week. Yeah. I mean, Carr, Carr throws, it's like empty calories. He throws a ball a lot. <laughs> they're all five yarders. <laughs> and they're all lying the a little beat up right now. And again, they've got, I mean, Alvin Kamara needs the ball. Chris Olave needs the ball. Like, I mean, they've got some. He yelled at he yelled at Olave last night. Weapons. That was a big deal for him. Before we get to the pop quiz, before we get to the morning check down, Sam, is this Fred on the line that wanted to chat? Yes. Yes, it is. Okay. I figured we could get Fred in here before we begin. Thanks. What's up, Fred? Hey, good morning, guys. Love the show. How y'all doing this morning? We are great. Happy good. Friday to you. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. You just made a comment about this being a Shane Steichen game. I totally agree with you on that. Um, that's why we brought him here. Our innovative offensive mind. 
didn't like his game plan last game, man. It was something, man. Uh, that's a different story. But asking you guys, man, what uh, specifically do you think Shane can do to offset this defense? Because one one of the things that I think is just down, take him out of the slot, put him on the end, let him go deep, let him run some – uh, deep routes. I think we just selling Josh down short by keeping him in the slot. I'll, I'll listen to you guys' reaction to that. Fred, have a good weekend. Appreciate the call. I, I agree with a lot of what obviously I had issues as well with the approach last week. I thought you just kind of surrendered yourself to being one-dimensional and, and didn't really allow for that, that Moss-Taylor strength to try and you know kind of outbox Jacksonville, if you will, and test Jacksonville where they were at coming off the London trip. Moving Downs around, I think, is a really interesting point. And the Alec Pierce injury maybe plays into it. I mean, Downs last week, correct if I'm wrong, Andy, that touchdown was lined up outside, right? I mean, that, that was not a slot mm-hmm. touchdown. Right. I so, believe so, yeah. You know, I mean, Downs has certainly proven even early in his career he can do some things like that. Specifically, if Cleveland's going to play as much man coverage as they played last week against San Francisco, you know, you go back to that Taylor big 40-yarder. It's those pick plays. It's those crossers. It isn't the word mesh. Mesh is kind of the big thing in of, you know, you, you do the little stutter, act like you're going to pick them, and obviously uh, you, you try not to, but what you're doing is you're forcing those defenders to move laterally with your quick guys. And, you know, the Colts do have some guys in Taylor, in Pittman, in downs that I think laterally, especially if Minshew is back on on time. If Minshew's on time, Andy, he hits these guys in stride on a four-yard crosser. If there's green turf in front of them, boom, that is four turning into 13, turning into 18, maybe even bigger. I think those are some of the areas to Fred's question that you've got to look at. That's, I think, how you try and beat the man. I don't think you're beating man by just you out-athlete them. You out, you know, 50-50 jump ball them. I think those are some areas that you've got to do. And Minshew's just got to be back to his short, efficient, on-target, ball placement, in-stride, accurate It's such a sellout thing to say, but Minshew just gave them no chance to win last week. And he can't do that again. That's it's like fair. they have when they lose. I think I think the number I put out this morning uh, when the, in losses the Colts have turned the ball over eight times. When they have won games, they have turned the ball over zero times. I mean, they win the game on Sunday. They're going to have zero or one turnovers. I, I truly do believe that. I mean, how you. Listen, if Zadarius Smith and Miles Garrett are hitting the corners and they're rushing up the field, can you pop something where you run by them, where you're in the shotgun and you run by them? Perhaps that's the case. You mentioned Josh Downs. I'm interested in as well. Does does the amount of throws change? Giving that last week was so dismal and giving that the Cleveland Browns defense is historically great right now. And if you have, if you're at the 35 yard line and you have a fourth and a half yard, does Steichen go for that or does he kick a long field goal? In some of these, you know, Steichen comes from the. Oh, I the, think the, it's the, a Matt Gay day. Well, I mean, he comes from the Sirianni. We're going to go for it on fourth down. I mean, we are going to. I think points are you, too precious. On I, listen, I think it's a question that we've seen Steichen a couple times I, not I take know, the points. And to me, and I do think Steichen is like this, uh, Andy. I, I do think Steichen is a very week to week decision maker. It's not a. Hand me the analytical chart, and that's sure. gospel every single Sunday. I think he's. 
He's too smart not to realize the challenge on Sunday. The three points matters more in this game than it might against the Saints or against well, you know the Patriots or somebody else. Com- remember his comment with Jacksonville in Week One. You know he felt like that was a game where they would need to get to thirty. I, I this is not that game. No, so it might be twenty. It might be 16, 17, something like that. I don't know. You know, moving downs around like it might be a nine to six final. You know, guys are going to have to make plays, and I think the thing you said is is the biggest. They're going to have to create. A turnover. They're going to have to create a short field. You know, Buckner gets the touchdown. What was it, week one yeah. on the fumble? You know, Franklin's going to have to punch a ball out and someone's going to have to drop, you know, fall on it, return it to the 15 yard line. They are going to have to create some easy, some easy plays for their offense. But so much of this is going to come down to listen, we can talk about Steichen. Minshew cannot lose the game for them like he did last week. And to me, that's where it starts for this team. Again, a Shaq Leonard six straight games without a pick, force fumble, or fumble recovery. It's the longest stretch of his career. All right, uh, freebie Friday for the pop quiz. So 317-239-1070. Give us a call for that. Let's do a morning check down. The morning check down. Yeah, a couple things. In fact, Sam, can you cue up maybe that second uh, Deshaun Watson clip? Uh, we'll hear from him here in a second as he's going to be you know, very questionable for the game. Week 7 underway last night, Thursday night football. Jacksonville, the win over the Saints, 31-24. Jacksonville now four straight wins. They moved to 5-2 and two on the season. The Saints now just 3-4 and four on the season. So Jacksonville, uh, I proclaim them a bad team uh, about, <laughs> about three, four weeks ago go and they've done nothing but win since Deshaun Watson will he play he was asked that yesterday just kind of basically his condition uh here's what Watson had to say when he met the media I mean it's just really just day to day it just kind of when it heals on his own you know and I think that's the that's the tricky part about it it's one of those deals where it's no different than you know a sprinter having a hamstring it's just one of those deals where it's day to day when it when it heals it heals um you know, from the research I've been doing and talking with the staff, I guess rotator cuffs are usually four to six weeks. Um, I, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. Like I said, it's my first time dealing with it, so uh, I'm just making sure I want to do it right so I don't have any problems later on. Again, it's a micro tear in that rotator cuff. Questions about the velocity, the ability to drive the football. That It does not sound good for Watson. He was limited in practice yesterday, first time he had been on the practice field in quite a few weeks. All right, last night, Major League Baseball. The Astros do what the Astros do. Their bats have come alive in Arlington, Texas. And that's not good news if you're a Rangers fan, uh, especially here for Game 5, which will be today. It'll be the final game in Rangers Stadium here. Again, 2-2 that series now. 10-3 winners, the Astros, last night in Arizona. It was a walk-off for the Diamondbacks. Bases loaded single off of Craig Kimbrell. Uh, that series now 2-1. So the Arizona Diamondbacks get on the board with that one. Uh, game four tonight, 8-07 in Arizona. Yeah, two NBA notes. A Pacers final preseason game tonight, 7 o'clock there at Gamebridge. They host the Cavaliers. And the news in the last hour, uh, AI, Andre Iguodala has officially announced his I retirement after Alan night. I Iverson was coming back. I <laughs> the, got excited uh, The other AI, not, what, 19 years? There's Iguodala. only one AI. I know, I know. Iguodala retires after like 19 seasons. Good for him. He had a good career. Uh, Pacers good career. Cavs tonight, the preseason finale from Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Wednesday, the Pacers regular season 
opener. A couple other quick notes. College football locally. Indiana Rutgers from Bloomington. Five and a half point underdog. The Hoosiers. They uh, Tom Allen is deciding to keep the quarterback decision <laughs> private. That will be the difference maker, I'm sure, against Greg Schiano and the Scarlet Knights. Should be a nice homecoming day in all seriousness down there in Bloomington. And Andy, the whispers have started. You said Uh-oh. it earlier in the week. The Pigs.com message boards <laughs> were not happy with Andy Sweeney, and I believe I was called Kent Sterling. Uh, Boogie Flan to <laughs> Big Blue Nation, the five-star, what is he, a point guard? Yeah. Now, do you know who Trilly Donovan is? He's the a um, recruiting guy who goes by Trilly Donovan. Correct, but he's like right all the time. He's correct? right. He's right a lot of the time, and he... He put a, a uh, about 10 hours ago, put a uh, gif out there, whatever it is, a Boogie Cousins in a Kentucky uniform indicating Boogie Land and everything else. Gotcha. Yeah. You had said that earlier this week. Um, that would be certainly a big loss for Mike Woodson. Obviously, he's recruited pretty well, but guards are a question of the future there in Bloomington, so... We'll see, as the world turns in recruiting and <laughs> good news, turns. the transfer portal usually at least has something of note there. The question is, can you find it? Can you attract it to Bloomington? All right. Again, freebie Friday for the pop quiz, 317-239-1070. All right. So the first thing I did with the pop quiz, and I can't remember the gentleman's name, but we had a winner yesterday. Was it JT for some reason or TJ? I thought I remembered a, a, a TJ or a Jackson. JT. D- D- Jackson. because Was it Jackson? Didn't we do JT we Snow? We were going to name Rosie Jackson. <laughs> okay, that's it. Why did I think it was JT? Yeah, Jackson from Pendleton. Okay, well, he won. Outstanding, five for five. We've never had back-to-back. No, and so I'm I'm just looking. Uh, I was wondering if Scotty would be vengeful today and would rain down difficult questions. And, I mean, there's a couple on here. It's going to be a little bit more difficult than yesterday. He's been known to do that in his pop quiz career. Uh, Number one through eight here as we try to make history on the pop quiz. Uh, Let's do this. Let's do do caller number four today, Sam. Who do we have? That is David. David. Good morning, David. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. How you fellas doing? David, we are great. Any weekend plans for you of note? Not really watching the Penn State. Ohio State game, that's about it. You got rooting interest there? Just rooting. Just okay. something to watch. Just rooting. I just like rooting. that. Okay. Rooting so, with so an no, apostrophe. Yeah, no G on yeah, it. Just rooting. Yeah. So no no fan connection, no 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 bet on the game. You're just gonna sit back and good watch a big, big college noon yeah, football, watch a good baby. college football game. I just want Ohio State to lose. Okay, there oh, okay, we go. Well, there it is. Okay, so took there a little while. I figured there yeah. was something. Great interrogation yeah. there by Andy Sweeney <laughs> on that front there. Yeah, we'll see if Lou Holtz will be on the sideline for Penn State here. Your Come. witness, your honor. <laughs> Thank you for that, David. David, we've never had five for five in the pop quiz. Let's see if you can make history. And Andy, you said you wanted me to do number yeah, one. Yeah, you do number one, three, and five. I'll do two and four today. All Mix right, it up a David, little bit. David, Colts and Browns, they play Sunday at Lucas Oil. The Browns lead the all-time regular season series 18-17, to 17, despite the Colts going 8-2 and two against Cleveland since the Browns' return as an expansion team in 99. Who leads the series between the Colts and Browns in the postseason? Colts, Browns, or is it tied? Tied. 
Travis Etienne Jr. ran for a pair of touchdowns as the Jags beat the Saints on Thursday night football. Etienne has rushed for multiple touchdowns in three straight games. Named the last Jaguar to rush for multiple touchdowns in three or more games in a row. Is it Maurice Jones-Drew? Is it Fred Taylor? Is it Leonard Fournette? Or is Etienne the first? Fournette. Decisive. I like the decisive nature of this man. David, number three, on this day in 1990, the Cincinnati Reds won their fifth and so far, unfortunately, last World Series championship. Who was the MVP of the 1990 World Series? Is it Eric Davis, Paul O'Neill, Jose Arrio, or Randy Myers? Give me Paul O'Neill. Paulie O'Neill. All right, question number four. The Houston Astros have tied their ALCS, have tied the ALCS with the Rangers despite losing the first two games at home. They are just the fifth team in Major League Baseball history to tie a postseason series at two after losing the first two games at home. Name the last team to do it. Was it the Astros? Was it the Kansas City Royals? The Boston Red Sox or the St. Louis Cardinals? Give me the Astros. Okay. I'll tell you what, if college football could pick up the pace of David's answering of the pop quizzes, these games would be <laughs> well, they, flying. Well, they, they tried to by with the first down. They I tried. Know, I don't feel like it's really worked uh, it's out. It's not. No. Uh, last one here, David. Cattell Marte became just the third player in Diamondbacks history with a walk-off hit in a postseason game yesterday with that ninth inning signal against the Phillies. Obviously, Luis Gonzalez, game-winning signal off Mardana Rivera in Game 7 of the 01 World Series against the Yankees was one of them. Who has the other? Was it Diamondback great Matt Williams? Diamondback great Tony Womack? Diamondback great Paul Goldschmidt? Or Diamondback great Eric Burns? Oh, my gosh. I loved this dude's <laughs> approach at the plate. When he would get in the batter's box, the I stance? was just like, the sta- I'm like, this oh, yeah. guy's getting on base. Um, I'll take the second guy. And he did it against his former team. And you said the second one, so that would be B, that'd be Tony Womack. Is that right? Yeah. Huh. Okay. All right, so let's see how David. I mean, David did good. He did missed with this one. He missed number. He missed number two and three, and I, that's that's what gonna, he missed. I was going to build it up and act oh, like sorry. he had a chance to get them all right <laughs> there. You got to at least hit me one. I'd, I mean, we we make the fans happy for one. Everyone said we got to move it on. We have got, a long break here. Sam's guy, yelling at us. Hurry the hell up. Get the, get the pop quiz. Yeah, get the pop quiz done. Did you hear how quickly David answered those questions? Yeah, fair point. He got three of them right. You did. All right, David. Not good Four enough, though. Five. This Again. is more for you, Andy, than for David. <laughs> David, got three stand out of five. the line. Stay on the line. It is Freebie yeah. Friday. Astros was correct. Tony Womack. I love Tony Womack. The box. He's a Cardinal, right? I mean, that that's what we remember him as, correct? I'm trying to think what video game I remember Tony Womack's stance that I'm playing him in. What video game that would have been for me, you know, 15 years ago Gosh, or whatever it was. It was. one year as a Cardinal? Why do I just have such vivid memories of him as a Cardinal? Probably because he beat your Reds. Yeah, that's probably that true. It? Wow. I'm looking up Tony Womack's stats right now on a football Friday. Yeah, a long time with the Pirates. That was the first yes, he team did. with him. Uh, but, yeah, Diamondbacks for handful of years and bounced around to a bunch of stops there 
See, I think of him. Career. I think of him as a pirate. I don't know why. Oh, really? Well, Gosh, that's when I was like nine, reason. ten years old. I think of Tony Womack more as a pirate than anybody else. I mean, honestly, it shows you how much the Cardinals have had rent in my head over the years. <laughs> yeah, he only did, he played a buck forty-five. The one hundred forty-five games for them. Colts Browns are picks to close it out. All right, last segment of the show. Give you our Colts picks here in just a second. I'm not sure what that's worth. <laughs> we'll tell you what, they, what happens. Sometimes we're right. Often uh, we are not. Reminder, Sunday, Colts and Browns pregame coverage beginning at 9 a.m. Leads you right up until kickoff. All the play-by-play action, all the postgame action. You can react to a win or a loss. It's right here on the fan. KB, you got anything cooking this weekend? Sam, you got Sam's working, I think. You got anything cooking? My, What's happening? Um, my brother and his wife are out of town, so we're going to hang out with their uh, son, Carter, okay. uh, for a little bit on Saturday. And again, it's supposed to be a pretty nice day. But outside of that, no. I mean, pretty relaxing, obviously, the game on Sunday. Um, so, yeah, it, hopefully get outside a little bit tomorrow. And I don't know. I'm, I'm starting to near that, like, I need to pick up leaves. It, it's starting oh, to get God. there for me. I know. But, know. you know, again, oh, part I'm of there. me is like, just wait another week or two. I mean, you know, more wind is going to happen. And what do your neighbors do? Down. Are your neighbors, uh, you know, all over it? Are they picking up leaves? Because uh, that's that that would be the peer pressure of the neighborhood. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, just if you took one look at my yard, you could tell that I don't really care about that. <laughs> okay. Um, but, <laughs> you know, sometimes I actually enjoy get out there and honestly, like, you know, this weekend. Don Fisher at noon? Okay. Let's, let's get on leaf duty okay. for two hours. Okay. Listen to IU football. You know, something like that. So. Uh, I, I've got to cross that bridge at some point. Well, last time I did yard work, I was mulching, and uh, JT signed a three-year contract with the Colts. So maybe we need to get out in the yard, KB, and maybe something good can happen for the Colts. <laughs> Instead of more breaking news on something I, bad, you have to go write a block entry on I prefer it. Prefer to stay away from the Saturday <laughs> yeah. afternoon. Well, News dumps. Fair enough. With that one. You got anything on the agenda? Uh, I have uh, in Did you talk about the Pacer game tonight? Well, I thought about going. In laws in town last night and today. They're leaving Saturday morning. I got a couple buddies coming up to town. Oh. Uh, so Saturday, so we may hit up a couple uh, beer spots. There we go. Uh, watch some football, and then you know what I'm doing oh. Sunday. I'm gambling on the NFL. Black Acre action? <laughs> It could be, yeah. I haven't decided exactly where we're going to go yet. So, may do that. Going to be a nice Saturday. Hang out with the sun. And then uh, might go to the Colts game on, on Sunday. So, uh, might might uh, might uh, maybe you'll big time me. You'll be around the media, guys. You you won't know who I am. Who's that guy over there e- eating, eating the buffet? Who's that guy over I there? I literally so. talked to Mike Chappell <laughs> during the game, and that is it. So, we'll see. No, it should be fun. Uh, Colts and Browns, a pivotal game. How do you want to lead this up? Do you want to... Do, sure. Do I, we have clo- can, do we have a close loss? Do both of us have a close loss for the Colts? I Let's can ask lead this that. off. I went back and forth on this throughout the week. Yeah, so have I, I. And I do think Matt Gay. I mean this in all seriousness. I think he is such a weapon in a game like this, where drives are precious, field positions press, precious, points are precious, all of those things. I said it all show long. The outside of the box touchdown, the outside of the box short field. If the Colts can find that. I do think they can win the game. I just have not seen them find that enough this season and enough in past years. And luckily, Philip Walker probably provides an opportunity to find that a little bit easier than most. But I still don't think I'm ready to say it just yet. I think it'll be ugly. 
I will. I think the Browns win 16-13. Uh, okay, so I'm going to go. Our <laughs> I figured our, I hated, I almost said, why don't I go first? Because usually me and KB have How such similar Fritz scores. It, it, well, it, it, yeah, it, Sam, go ahead. Sam, I mean, do you have something outside yeah. of the yeah. box? Yeah, Sam, before we, you know, usher you out of here. What do you reward ha- for host I'm producing, sorry, this whole week. Yeah, go um, ahead. Cleveland versus Indianapolis, final score. I'm going to say 21-17. Okay. Colts. I like that. 21-17. is going to be playing fast, and since Cleveland is not very good at turnovers, we'll be able to take advantage of it. Yeah, I'm probably going to go, I'm going to go Cleveland like 19-13. Uh, close game. I, I just... Does the Walker or Watson thing it, matter to you? It doesn't matter that much. No. I almost feel like... Like, it's with Watson, he's just being like, yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll play when I want. I'm making the money. I have all this guaranteed money. What else are you going to do? And he actually is kind of injured. But yesterday, his comments were like, yeah, I don't know when I'm going to be back. It's day-to-day. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Like, almost like almost combative. It makes me think that maybe the Browns aren't happy that their hand has been tipped that Watson is going to be back. Should I'm, we, tr- I'm trying to figure that out. Should we close down the massage parlor Saturday afternoon here in Indianapolis? <laughs> Find out when yeah. the Bra- Browns yeah. land in Indy and make sure that which w- which ones would fulfill Mr. Watson's Watson needs. Mr. Watson could not get that you know yeah. final jump he needs to be ready for Sunday. <laughs> yeah, I don't I, know if I'm allowed to say I, that. I just want to which ones would fulfill Watson's well, needs, like, and I'm just writing those down, KB, for you know just so I know. You know, I'm not going to future visit. reference. Yeah, I'm not going to visit one of those. I just want to know where not to go. I do have quite the transition here. I do have <laughs> these vivid memories of Miles Garrett absolutely dominating the Colts back in the 2020 matchup. I know that was in Cleveland. I know that was Phillip Rivers, but I just can't get that out of my head. Yeah. And like, I, I look at Garrett and think he's the closest thing to Aaron Donald, the NFL. I, I mean, obviously TJ Watts, a great player, but just a guy you can line up all over the place. He can impact against the run and against the pass. Blake Freeland, a rookie starting at right tackle. That is of concern. Like, I don't see the Colts, the Browns, in Garrett and on a lesser stage, Amari Cooper, they've got a couple individuals, Andy, that can offset Philip Walker. Do the Colts have the individuals that can offset Gardner Minshew? That that's where my concern. Just a lies. couple gambling numbers: Kevin Stefanski, the head coach there in Cleveland, seven and zero against AFC South teams. The Colts at home, everyone knows they're two and six against the spread. And just like the NFL does, like a success rate. Right now, the Browns' defense is allowing a success rate of thirty-one percent. They are thirty-one percent. They are absolutely incredible again in getting off the field. Sam Fritz, thank you very much. Thank man. you, Sam. All week Great long, stuff. outstanding. Again, Mark Dyke will be back on Monday, but cannot thank Sam enough for out of the bullpen for a long time. I guess it dates back to last week, and I think you'll be in here. Uh, My next scheduled one isn't until December. Oh, okay. We will see you in December. He is Sam Fritz. I'm Kevin Bowen, Andy Sweeney. Everybody have a great weekend. We'll talk to you Monday.